Podcast apparently. Annie is reading the instruction manual for our snowball microphone, which we thought we were using for the last several re- weeks and recording the podcast. Turns out we hadn't because I forgot to check in uh, GarageBand what our uh, microphone input is. So this podcast should sound nominally better than previous podcasts. <laughs> Ye fucking hot. This is what I get for trusting you. Yeah, all this technology. means is you're going to be able to hear me eating popcorn that much Dear better. Lord, you're not allowed to eat during the podcast. <laughs> This is not allowed. This is like, you know, when the THX logo comes down. Uh-huh. This yes. is the test of our new improved sound. Whenever um. I think of THX, I think of a joke on Tiny Toons where uh, they're going to see a movie and it does the THX thing and yeah. immediately afterwards it's followed by the audience is now deaf. <laughs> they did something like that on The Simpsons once where it was just like blew everyone's hair off or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And then they made a joke, a joke about uh, Roman Williams movie toys. <laughs> So that's like Bill paid attention. Yeah, All right, y'all. Years yeah, so yeah. We, we wandered us. aimlessly about a cartoon, so of course you know this is the Boy Howdy podcast, and you may have figured out by the fact that I talked about Tiny Toons and Bill talked about The Simpsons that I am, in fact, Annie. Yeah, I'm Bill. And that's Bill. How are you doing? This week, apparently, we're going to talk about women in media. But well, we got shit to talk about before that. We have shit to talk about before that. It's Annie's chagrin. Well, we'll we always do what the week no, 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 no. Of course we do. And what you made a, your bo- a robust list. No, we're going to start with no, your No, it's not list. really that robust, actually. Uh, well, what what did you do this week? Like, I what did happened to your stuff. life? You start. You worked. Yes, I work. I have a day job. <laughs> to be fair, it's much easier. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is me making fun of you. Do you know how easy it is for me for, to file my taxes? Uh, don't even talk <laughs> about that. Ladies and gentlemen, that. that's how you make fun of a freelancer. <laughs> oh God, I I have my little bundle over there where it's all my receipts and shit like that, and like I don't even want to go. You know what I get? I, I don't get, even go near it. Till I get February. my W two. You know what I do? I enter that. Doing my taxes takes me 15 minutes. I, I'm just I'm just not going to follow them. I hope they think I'm just a hobo and I'm off the radar. Um, uh, what the, what, no, what happened to me this week, just even work-wise in my own personal life, um, I didn't do much. I spent, uh, Dylan came over on Friday, mm-hmm. on my, our lovely friend Dylan McConus, who uh, is the author of Family Man webcomic and stuff, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Uh, she was with us on the Doctor Who podcast, and... Uh, she came over and proof, started proofreading my uh, Nintendo uh, comic history script, mm-hmm. and uh, because I didn't want to uh, indulge, like inundate her with too much Nintendo shit, I spent the whole uh, day working on a Deep Space Nine poster print up thing I want to do instead. What is your concept behind that? Is, is it just you'll I like see. Star, I like Star Trek? Yeah, no, you'll <laughs> see. It's 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 it's. Did you well? Did you see the thing I drew? Yeah, I saw your. Eyes. This is a tribute to uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. It's like the heads of all the different characters it actually came together very quickly. That's yeah. what happens when you just trace headshots you find online. <laughs> I was going to make that joke. I was um, make fun of you. How dare you take my joke? There is me? no. There is a thing. Uh, you know what? I could just tell people because who on the fuck cares? Who's in, uh, so in Star Trek: Deep Space Nine? There's an episode where the main character uh, Benjamin Sisko. You know, he's the captain or whatever of, of Deep Space Nine. Uh, he, something happens to him where he ends up thinking he's a, a, a black writer in Harlem mm-hmm. in the 1950s, mm-hmm. and he's working for a science fiction magazine called 
Impossible Stories, I think. Yeah. Incredible Stories, or one or the two. Anyway, uh, so this whole thing is about him fighting, like, racism and trying to be this the successful uh, uh, science fiction writer. And this idea he comes up with is the idea for this space station, captained by a black guy called mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine. Everyone makes fun of him because they're like, a black guy in charge of a space station 200 years from now? Mm-hmm. Ah, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. And so he's trying to fight for this thing to get published, and he gets all fucked up and stuff like that. And so I want to make this look like a cover of one of the issues of that magazine. Aww. So, like, the so what I drew was, like, you know, it's like like all the headshots of all the different characters, but there's all this empty space on the thing I drew, and that's going to be the title of the magazine. And yeah. On the side, instead of the titles of other stories, that you can find in the magazine will be titles of different episodes from Deep Space Nine. No, it's very. Uh, that episode is probably the most popular episode of Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. and uh, they at, were actually going to end at Deep Space Nine with a revelation that all of Deep Space Nine was actually a dream of that guy. Yeah, but that would suggest that all Star Trek is not real yeah. and took place in that guy's dream. What so Star Trek is not real? Oh my god! What happened? <laughs> Uh, they don't want to. They don't want to make everyone sad. But I think there's only one Trekkie in the world <laughs> who would have died like 20 years ago. So I just did that and uh, uh, kept on working on a giant Super Mario Brothers map. Yeah. Uh, of the Mushroom Kingdom that is driving me crazy. I've drawn like four different versions of it so far. Turns out it's really hard to like cut and paste eight bit like environments from 20 year old Nintendo games into some kind of semblance of a real world map thing. Why don't you just cheat and use the overall map from um the Super Mario Brothers, which what? is my first um What? There's no Mario. overworld map to Super Mario Brothers, the well, you, first no, one? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. The what was the what Super Mario World? Excuse me. Yeah, that's in there. That's part of it. Because then that's just the planet Earth. Like, it's just... It's no! Like, if no! you take all those maps together, it's yeah, basically... Yeah. And you don't understand. It's basically you, the you continents of Earth. You don't understand Super Mario Bros. continuity. What is canon? No, seriously. This is this is ridiculous. Okay, I have to hew to Super Mario Brothers canon. The world of Super Mario Brothers takes place on... Is it Dinosaur Island? Yes. Because that's where they first introduced the Yoshis. So yes. technically that is not part of the Mushroom Kingdom. I am drawing the Mushroom Kingdom... The dinosaur kingdom with, like, the chocolate island and the donut plains and all those other oh. parts. That is an island off the coast of the Mushroom Kingdom. What? Yes. Uh, so that will be part of the map, but I, no, no one has really drawn an overworld of the original Super Mario Brothers 1 and 3. Mm-hmm. Tried to plug them together into an overworld map, which is what I'm trying to do right now, which is stupid. I can't uh, include Super Mario Brothers 2, because that all does... That's another thing that that's yeah. just takes place in Mario's dream. Yeah. So, yeah. that's not real. <laughs> Dear Lord. So that's that. I've been doing that all week. <laughs> so you, you, you did do have the real. You had the real job this week. I had the like me just going like, oh, what am I going to put? Oh, the other thing is, I'm also putting all the tracks from uh, Super Mario Kart into it. Oh, seriously? Because it's the Mushroom Kingdom Bill? from 1985 to 1995. Oh, Bill. So it's great. So I have to figure out like where to put the, like the Star Road, Rainbow Road up in the sky and stuff like that. It's. I'm just going to say this out loud. I thought your Zelda map was an enviable uh, enterprise. That was awesome. I think this is sounding very, very silly. <laughs> it is, it's all silly. What do you think? Man, at least the one I do after this, Castlevania, that's already half, that's already designed. I just have to draw it. Yeah. Which is great, because this year is also the 25th anniversary of Castlevania. So. Good. But that you. won't be coming out until October. Good for you, Happy Halloween. Good for you. So then, no, that's what, I, that's personally, that's a lot of it. What, do you, what did you do all week? I think I beat Skyrim. I think I said that last you week. You said that three no, weeks now. Here's the thing. I've, I've mined it for literally Jesus. all the achievement points, because I, 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 except for one. There's one that's, achievement you, that's point exactly left. what you said last Wait, week. Wait, no, I hadn't beaten the mages one, had I, last week? You said you had uh, all but one or two of them. Well, see, last week I hadn't finished the So this mages. time, next week, you'd this better is, be like, I beat it I all. I don't care to listen to you about this anymore. Did you the Thieves Guild? 
Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, no, just because I was listening to the Giant Bomb podcast and they were talking about how supposedly some people were saying that the uh, Thieves Guild is the best quest Yeah, in it's the game. pretty, it's PDG, I'll say that. Yeah? Okay. Um, but, um, no, it's got, what's interesting though is that I've so broken my own narrative of the game at this point. Yeah? Um, because I had to branch out my character just to finish parts of the game and to, um... You know, just to keep leveling up. So your character's doing stuff that he or she would not... Yes. You're playing as a little guy, right? No, I'm a lady. Okay, you're a guy. Okay. I'm a lady imperial. Anyway, you've already forgotten my elaborate cannon. How dare you? Anyway, no, but it's funny. <laughs> yeah, I just... I'm like, now I'm doing magic and shit. And so, what? whereas I had a very strong, like, narrative connection to Skyrim, that it was largely my own invention, it's entirely gone now. Welcome I'm trans- the world of video games. We're kind of developing internal idea as to why the story is happening and then you have to break it just to do some kind of video game to thing. win my to get my achievements exactly it's all about my friend yeah now i've been working on other stuff man so th- this is something that i've only uh, started doing as an adult um and i never did as a younger person so i'm only just realizing what a foolhardy endeavor it is um recently over the last couple of months i've started watching things just because there are actors or actresses that i like in it i've never That's been how that most person. of society works how is that new well, it's new to me. Really? That's what I'm saying. It's like I will approach things if the art, is, like the the uh, like the art direction is interesting, oh. or if the narrative is interesting or entices me. I don't ju- I don't often watch things that I would not watch otherwise just because they have person X in it. Oh, okay. Or if I do, like for instance, the missus and I went through a Tom Hardy moment. Um, and we still, let's be honest, we still live in the Tom Hardy moment, but when the Tom <laughs> Hardy moment started, we took a good hard look at his canon and we're like, well, we'll watch this, this, and Tom this. Tom Hardy being the bad guy from uh, Star Trek Nemesis. And he was also the dapper man from Inception. Yeah. And now he's also Bane from Batman. He's Bane and Batman. But, um, we looked at his, his, what he had done and we're like, okay, we'll watch this and pointedly ignored other things. We well, like, got to I'm watch not... like Bronson and stuff. Yeah, Bronson is stuff. great. Yeah. Well, he's been in some good things, but he's been, he was like, yeah, listeners at home, if you have Netflix instant streaming, you should check out, uh, Bronson, which now, is Bronson is by the who did drive yeah and it, that is a fucked up it's, i think it's, i've talked about it a little yeah, bit yeah a little great. bit on the podcast it's a really fucked up it's kind of like a, a clockwork orange but it takes place in what a british jail with a like giant mountainous psychopath it's kind of um it's not unlike um this is gonna sound really jackassy it's not unlike <laughs> crime and punishment and that is basically like the a, book yeah i don't know he's not had... he's not unlike <laughs> What's his name, Raskolnikov? Because ultimately it's about a person who's obsessed with this concept of themselves as superior. That's part of the book? Of Crime and Punishment? Yeah. I never read it. Look who you're talking to. You don't know what happens in Crime and Punishment? No! Am I going crazy? Am I confusing Crime and Punishment? Now you've put me in a moment of... of what what, of what are you going to say? What's your statement then? Is it, no, 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 no. I mean, Crime and Punishment, if I'm remembering correctly, and now I feel like a jackass, I'm going to make you come out and oh delete this. Oh my god. Is it Crime and Punishment with Raskolnikov, and he thinks he's the, the best, like, a genius, and he's going to, and he's a superhuman, and he's going to... Who the hell is Raskolnikov? Raskolnikov. I'm, I can, oh, no, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, why did I have my iPad or something? You know, the best, you know, the best thing is because anyway, today is sofa day, even if you did have your, like, an iPad, you couldn't go to Wikipedia and look it up either, so, whatever you're talking about. No, it's, you know, basically characters who think they, who, who are narrating their own life story, literally, and for yeah. the, for the That's reader. what I do. And they're convinced with their own superiority, despite the fact that they're apparently not very bright and weak. Bronson is kind of like that sort of thing. And if it's not crime and punishment, I feel like a jackass, and I'm so glad I dropped out of college and I'm not an English major, because look at me. Dear Lord. God. Yeah, so, so what did you end up watching this week? Oh, no, so um, the missus and I watched Thor, 
a while ago. I yeah. talked about it, and I enjoyed it okay. But mostly, I, my, one of my favorite parts of it was this young woman named Kat Dennings, who in the movie basically is the voice of fandom is for she all these purposes. Is a weird friend? Yeah, she's a little sidekick. Yeah. But she's great in that film because she is basically the voice of fandom. She's kind of the snarky voice of fandom, which she's you don't the often Abed get. of uh, Thor. You don't often said. get that in the film. Because, I mean, to have a, a movie, especially in the internet age, that is fandom. Like, there's was, there was a young woman who's intelligent and is yeah. making stupid jokes about everything that's going on. That's but she's not like the Xander. Yeah. Sort of. Xander's not fandom, though. She This character very much so Xander's just felt like... Fandom. Anyway, I'm just, we until can, he gets an eye patch. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so we're like, oh, this girl, Kat Dennings, she's kind of great. What else has she been in? So I've watched the worst movies. Here's a little tip for you guys. If you're going to write a movie that's about a teenagers and the teenage experience and um, finding yourself and finding love for the first time, don't have a serial killer subplot. What? <laughs> The hell just don't this? do it. It's not a very good film. It's called Daydream Nation, and it, it's Kat Dennings starring in it. And it's it's based it's uh, this filmmaker who has an interesting visual style, but wrote it's just it's very much so a sophomore film. Yeah. And um, I'm just gonna say it. It's a Canadian film, and it feels like it at points. Wow. But um, it's like Ginger Snaps. No, if you've seen enough Canadian films, it's there's just the Canadian. I can't think. I'm sure I've seen Canadian movies, but I don't remember anything being so specifically Canadian. Like, well, there's a really adorable Ernest. Is there a Canadian them? like Kurosawa out there who's making like these Canadian films? There's just something. There's something about them. There's an Ernesty in yeah. these films that makes them distinct. And as soon as I found out it was Canadian or like a Canadian Wes Anderson filmmaker. movies without the the tweeness, sort of. Anyway, Anyway. Talk about Wes Anderson's trailer. For we could talk about it last just a week. second. I don't believe we did. Oh, okay. Um, we we mentioned it, and I was like, "What?" And the trailer wasn't out yet, so I've seen it now. We can talk about that. Okay. But anyway, ultimately, long story short, um, there's a serial killer subplot, and one of the only, only reason why I can think that it's in there is it gives there's a running theme where it's like you know you can't be out alone because yeah. there's a serial killer who's killed a number of young women. So there are all these pictures together. It's like it's you know basically like two people holding hands, like go to, you know, don't go alone, walk in pairs, walk in couples. It's like, oh, she has to find her other in life blah 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 but it's really not very good um but she's charming and i'm watching this and i'm like oh man i just really want to see the cat denning show because she's just kind of yeah. charming and the tur- and, I, and then i realized she's in this shitty cbs ca- sitcom called two broke girls oh is this the one who's racist against asians sort of I, mean, I there, there was, there was big, a terrible Korean guy. Yeah, well, no, there's a um, there's there was a big kerfuffle about it this week because apparently um, the two protagonists or the two main characters of the show, the actress who played them, and the showrunner. Yeah, yeah, Kat Dennings is one of them, and she's great. She's the best part of the show. Um, but the showrunner was in a um, uh, little um, uh, uh, not like a, not like a press conference, but talking to what's it called? Some kind of talking junket. to the yeah junket yeah. sort of thing. And um, basically, the, all the 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 journalists were correct. They're like, so it's a show about these two girls that are trying to raise money to open a cupcake business, and one of the ways they do it is they work in a diner. And basically all the journalists were pointing out more or less correctly all the parts in the diner are kind of execrable because there are three other there are three main characters in the diner. There's oh, the no. owner, um, Han Lee. There's the um cashier, who's this um black guy, and then there's Oleg, the the, the short uh the, the, the fry cook. Are they all weird stereotypes? Well, they're <sighs> They're, they they handle yeah, when you have to sigh like that. That's yeah, yeah confirmation. <laughs> I mean, it's the Oleg in particular is the one I actually find most offensive because yeah. he's kind of generically 
it's like um, uh, offensively Eastern European, mm-hmm. and the extent of his character is um, he would like to put his penis inside these two young women. That is pretty much the extent of his character. Wow. But to be fair, oh, you're really selling me on this uh, show. It's it's not very good, but Cat Dennings is great. And it's watching Cat Dennings it, rafting on a on a sea of bullshit with the show, it sounds <laughs> like. Much. Well, it's a sitcom, but watching it, I'm like, I have trouble getting offended by it because there's an internal logic to sitcoms. Yeah, you just kind of have to flow with. And these characters just kind of fill these bit parts. But yes, it's a little bit racist. Have you heard about, you know, Rob Schneider from the Saturday Night Live? Yeah. You know, he, he the, the fucking, everyone hates him because he's a, such a talentless hack. Did you see he's got a brand new sitcom where he marries a Puerto, Week, uh, Puerto Rican woman? And uh, for some reason, he barely knows this woman, but he, but he gets married to her. And like, but the whole show, show is him just making racist uh, Mexican, like, Latino jokes. Oh, wow. Like. Oh, God, it just sounds fucking... Everyone's saying it's one of the worst reviewed shows in a long, long, long time. Right? It really is just the whole thing. is like, oh, white guy. Now he's married to a Mexican family. Oh, no, whatever. I don't know if Puerto Rican or Mexican... Bill's racist right now. <laughs> but anyway, where it's not making people happy. True Broke Girls is much more I, entertaining if you think that it's young Roseanne sent forward in the future, because that's basically what Kat Dennings is. Oh, really? Kat Dennings is great. That The end. I like Kat Dennings. She's young Roseanne Barr is what you're saying. Pretty much. Wow, so appealing. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> I like Cat Dennings. I watched a lot of shit for you, Cat Dennings. <laughs> so, well, that's it. That's your weekly report. Uh-huh. I watched two terrible cat because I also watched Nick and Nora's ultimate playlist. Oh god, what are you playlist. doing to yourself? Watching really bad movies with Cat Dennings with them. I told you I'm not. Proud. I don't have a flip side. I'm watching Parks and Recreation, and that's good. And you're like finally. It only took me there. two years. Man, to oh, get no, you to watch I, like Parks I said, I, I watched the first season of Parks and Recreation. And, uh, what, well, what happened, especially with, uh, all the end of, uh, year lists where everyone was doing their best of lists for yeah. 2011, uh, the top two comedies everyone kept on screaming about were Community and Parks and Recreation. And I liked Parks and Recreation back in the day was fine. It was just so much of a, an office clone that it didn't have its own identity. It's not like I watched it and hated it. Uh, just like everyone else, I watched it for one season and just never watched it again because it was all, it was Which bullshit. Which is such a shame. Uh, the first season is not bad. So it's just not. It hasn't crystallized. I finally got yet. around to watching Community. That was good. And now, uh, yeah, most of the seasons of uh, Parks and Recreation are they on their fourth season now? I believe so. Uh, the first three seasons are on Netflix, and so mm-hmm. I've been watching the second season. I'm almost done with the second season. That's a really huge. No, that yeah. really has like the jump from the first second season uh, or the first season to the second season is really really good. I was really surprised. Yeah. The, 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 the relationship between uh, Leslie Nope and her brown friend. <laughs> All I know, it's the chick from The Office, Kara Filippi or whatever. And, or Rashida Jones. Rashida Jones, yeah. Jesus Christ. I just, she's proud, they don't even know her name that often. And! Why is she even there? She's her not name even, is Anne! She's not even a part of The Office. No, they, they eventually invent a reason for her to be in The oh, Office. Okay, it's gonna it's... No, the point of that character is that once they lose the whole love triangle thing, it's genuinely that she's yeah, actually best that's, friend. That's not even a really well-developed love triangle, too, because no, Leslie Nope breaks up with Big Face, and then, and Brown Lady starts dating big face. Oh, anyway. I what you thought I was... Well, I had no idea who the fuck big face was. Big face, he looks, like, he looks face. like Jim Halpert from The Office, but just a bigger face. Because he's got like that big dopey like puppy dog face. And then, then there's brown funny guy. Who's, he looks like you a caricature what? of... Uh, he looks like a character of a person who doesn't exist. He looks like so much like a Mad Magazine character of someone mean, that he turned into mean, that caricature. Are you talking about Tom sorry. Haverford? No, Tom Haverford... What, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Dear Lord, Bill. I'm talking about Aziz and Sorry. At least I know his real name. He's fucking hilarious. I love Donna the Black Chick. 
She's great. Yeah. See, it's basically it's, it is very correct. Show. It is like it's not it's it's running on similar tracks as the office, but this the is, difference is everyone everyone in the office were forced to spend time yeah, with I other like I like hated each other. Yeah. This show seems to be more about optimism, whereas yeah. the office was it had so much of its, you know, roots from the BBC yeah. show, which was Ultimately, so depressing. Everybody in Parks and Recreation genuinely enjoys spending time with each other, except for Jerry and that's Yeah, okay. if I had to, if I had to spend time with like the crew from the office, I think I'd shoot myself. Even though I like the office. It's I never. I never hated the office. Oh, this is the other funny thing too. Because last Thursday, um, the office, Thirty Rock, and Parks and Recreation came back for the first time in forever. And so I watched that. And man, so I, this is the first episode of The Office I've watched like in four years. Yeah. And I forgot they got rid of Steve Carell and they yeah. replaced him with what's his face? Yeah. Uh, Ed Helms. Is it Ed Helms? Well, Ed Helms is in the show and then he became the boss. Yeah, because I remember that. Like, that's when I kind of stopped watching the show was when Ed Helms came on. Not just because there's no specific reason why I stopped watching the show. It's just like I had other shit to do. I forgot. And then, like, the script, it sounds like they just had the script for Steve Carell and they just cut and pasted Ed Helms' name into it because he's still been kind of being a jerk like. Steve Carell and kind of, like, making fun of people and, like, that show's not interesting. It just seems like, like, Steve Carell went away and now they're just kind of, like, random jumble of all the well, secondary characters Well, to be fair, dude, you stuff. haven't watched that show in a long time. Has it been going on a downward spiral? Because that yeah. episode was not that good. I, I, The Office used to be There's a new hot show. chick? There's a brown-haired chick. She was cute. She knew what a uh, sail on a sailboat was called. She was funny. They didn't have no, there was no, uh, uh, no Pam. What happened to Pam? Did she quit? I don't know. Well, I think they had babies. Is she, like, she, does she own Dunder Mifflin now? <laughs> what happened there? Anyway, this is the part of the show where we talk vaguely about a show we used to watch four years yeah, ago. Yeah, it wasn't that. It wasn't Let's really weird. And 30 office. Rock is not involved at all in the no, last four 30 years. Rock, 30 Rock was kind of amazing. I, the, the season finale was fascinating to me because it was the most... They, I wonder if they got... I don't know. It's weird to watch it after having read Tina Fey's book and about yeah. her like development of the show because they it was like a very deliberate attempt to have a very sitcommy act third act of that show. It was kind of what impressive. that episode of the yeah, show. Yeah, that particular general. episode. I can't remember what happened in third act. Well, it ended, oh, so you find out that uh, Tina Fey's character is dating. Uh, yeah, I mean, so. all everything about it felt so like just. It, that show is mostly notable for being so fucking weird and out of left field. Yeah. It was weird to have such a traditional and conventional. It was really strange. I have no conclusion from that. All right, moving on. Fantastic. Bill, what else is on your innumerable Okay, list? so that was all I have in my private life. Oh, dear God. Oh, no, other than I started reading the annotated Sandman. Uh, so, oh, was it Dark Horse? I think it's actual book publisher, not just, no, not Dark Horse. Who, who made Sandman? DC? Vertigo? Yes. Whatever. Vertigo. Uh, a real book company has started publishing the Sandman comics uh, in hard book books. A real hard book books. company? It's a real book, not comic. I'm not saying that comics <laughs> are inherently worse than real books. No, but it's just not a real. I'm just saying a real publisher. Oh, Bill. Have you seen some of the books that comic book publishers put out? Oh, my God. Oh my I'm god! Just, I'm not even going to touch this one. Keep on going. So anyway, annotated Sandman, which is really weirdly uh, disappointing. There's actually a little bit of a, kerf- a kerfuffle going on online about this. If you go to the Amazon reviews, the reviews are not that good. Which I've submitted one myself. <laughs> or it's kind of weird because it's 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 written by one of the same people who did like the annotated Dracula and the yeah. annotated uh, Sherlock Holmes. Because mm-hmm. that's kind of a little niche market right now is the annotated insert yeah. title here, where yeah. it's a big coffee table book. Mm-hmm. And you know it's and, and it's just all kinds of notes about the That's creation be of the book and stuff like that. That's weird because if all the creators are still alive and active, well, no, like like yeah, like the Sandman one is weird because this is the first one I've seen where like the creator is still alive. Yeah. And even the only reason I even know about this book is Neil Gaiman on Twitter was like, "Oh man, you should buy this book. It's awesome. I helped write the forward and like I helped contribute to the book and blah blah blah." And I bought it thinking that some of the notes would actually be 
from Neil Gaiman. Mm -hmm. And Neil Gaiman, he only wrote the preface, and in the preface he says, I treated this book as if I were dead where... I like I helped proofread some of the notes that this the, that the person a- annotating the book Les Klinger wrote. Yeah. He's like I just I proofread made sure his notes were correct but aside from that I had no feedback into the book. So it means it's like it's it's kind of like there's not a lot of notes in the book because Neil Gaiman is alive. The writer of the the notes couldn't really explore Neil Gaiman's life and how that led to the creation of the book. Like mm-hmm. if you read like like uh, uh Dylan uh uh, bought me the annotated Peter Pan, mm-hmm. and that that talks about how the like aside from talking about stuff that happens in the book, it also talks about like uh, Barry and how his relationship with the Darling family or the whatever. Like it talks about the genesis of the book. You read the annotated Dracula. They talk about how Dracula was subconsciously based off of this guy that uh, who wrote Dracula? Bram Stoker. Bram Stoker. He was like an underling too. And like that's it. That's exciting. That's cool information. It's outside of the text, but it t- tells you about the creation of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, because out of respect for Neil Gaiman, this guy does not do that because Neil Gaiman is alive. So you don't get any kind of like creation of information about the book. It's just kind of like a list of like it almost seems like cut and pasted information from Wikipedia articles. Oh no! About like if the Sandman bumps into a god, they'll just give you information about what that god is or oh, something seriously? like that. It's not, it's kind of dry, it's not terrible, but the book, the uh, the suggested retail price of the book is 50 bucks. The comics are all printed in black and white, not in color. Oh, really? Is it, like, original, is it, like, upscaled, like, original inks, or is it just, like, same? It seems like a combination between, like, the first, the earliest uh, comics with the, with actually the worst art. It's just the, the black and white line art, although some of the other comics are grayscaled. Hmm. So it's a weird combination. It's not just the inks, but sometimes it just seems like they, 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 they took the color art and just scanned that. And so, I love Sandman, but this, yeah, this has kind of been kind of dodgy, and, uh, man, reading it, too. I tried to get Annie into Sandman a couple of years ago, and that did not nope. stick, because it doesn't help that the first five issues are the worst drawn issues, and the first issue where it actually starts getting into the better art is the bloodiest, most violent uh, issue of the whole damn series, where it's nope. a, whole, a whole bunch of people getting killed in a diner, nope. tortured to death, and fucking each other and stuff. And he did not uh, hold water. I'll never that. read Sandman at this point. It's a really good series. You know what? If, if I couldn't read it when I was a sad and, yeah. and depressed teenage girl, when the fuck am I going to read? Yeah, Sandman? And then I tried to like ask Dylan if she wanted to borrow because she's the one who got me back into. Because I, I read a couple issues of Sandman back in the day, like 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 twenty years ago when it was first uh, around. I thought it was okay, but, like, I just didn't have the time to invest in the giant big series like that. And so Dylan, like, ten years ago, she had me pick it up again, and I got really into it. It was was really good. And so I asked Dylan if she wanted to borrow this, and she was just like, no, I'm not going to read that because I'm not 15 anymore. I was like, oh, snap! (laughs) It's like, Dylan's kind of cash it off because she, like, I think she just kind of identifies with that, with her, like, you know, being kind of a stupid teenager. Oh, totally. But it still holds up. You have to, yeah, you have to, you have to charge through so much bullshit in order to get, like, enjoy the good stuff in Sandman. It's unfortunate. But it's a, it's, it is one of the best, not even comic book series, but, like, the narrative and how the whole story wraps up and everything like that and how the story builds and the pacing of everything is one of the best stories I've ever seen in a, any kind of fictional thing. Now, I can understand, though, there are some things that are so much so marked by a certain time in your life. Yeah, it just gets stained with that, yeah. It's like music, it's really easy for that to happen. I was listening to some music the other day um, uh, that was, like, totally tied to a point in my life. I was like, fuck, I can only now barely listen to it. Um, I found out that a friend of mine had um, committed suicide while listening to this one song that I loved. And I'm still, this was about four years ago now, and I still cannot listen to that song without bursting in tears. Yeah. 
And uh, that's understandable. It's just like there's just some shit that you like when you have those resonant frequencies, you cannot. Like there are some books that I can't go back and read because I'm like, no, I remember too vividly being a 13 year old jackass. Yeah. No, so. that's understandable. So anyway, so that that's the end. Sandman. Uh, buyer beware. Uh, did you see that Penny Arcade hired uh, Ben Kuchera from Ars Technica to yeah. start running its own uh, uh, I, news? I'm curious to see where this is going to go because um, Robert Koo has been hinting that in the first or second quarter of this year, 2012, they were going to launch something that was the biggest thing that Penny Arcade has ever undertaken. So I'm assuming this isn't that maybe a component of that because they said it's Ben Kuchera. They're not. Penny Arcade is now not going to have its own news department. Right. It's just Ben Kuchero who's going to sometimes blog about news stories and stuff like that very selectively. Yeah. So it's not like they're going to go head-to-head against, like, Kotaku Joystick no. or anything like that. But, I mean, when you look but, at what Penny Arcade has been doing with Penny Arcade television and everything like that, they're building more content than just Penny Arcade to Yeah, it's like, kind of a media empire. It's yeah. kind of turning into that. I'm curious to see if they're going to any sort of relaunch along those lines. Yeah. Because, you know, they're... They could... Well, Robert the best thing, a smart guy. Is that they're not necessarily so beholden to uh, publishers as yeah. other video game websites are. Yeah. And so they could do some interesting things in, like, the game's journalism field and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, who, I don't know. It's That's, a neat idea. Even just looking at it now as basically, um, what's it called? When an artist is um, supported by patron system. Like, yeah. the idea of, like, a patron, like a patronage of a game Which has been replaced journalism. by the Kickstarter. Yeah. System now, but, more or less, but yeah. like a, a, having a patronage, uh, like a um, like a this patronage game journalism thing is interesting. Yeah, the end. Then Annie melted. Uh, elevator source. Did you see this? No. Someone made a mod of you know the Half Life engine. Yeah, where the hell that is? Uh, where it's just you're stuck on an elevator with a bunch of other people. You play online, and you're and like whoever is in control of the game just takes you to different weird elevator stops on uh, stops on different floors and mm-hmm. crazy shit happens and like NPCs wander onto the elevator and come off and stuff like that. It's like a weird like Disneyland or freaky ride because you really can't do much. Sometimes you can get out, get out of the elevator and explore these environments. Most of the time you're stuck in there. So it's kind of a weird slideshow of weirdness that people create. And like I don't think there's any beginning or ending to the game. It's just kind of a funny like, like a shared thing. experiment. Yeah, right? you need to, uh, yeah elevator source. Look it up. That's fucking hilarious. So the one I saw was like everyone's on an elevator and the lights go out and suddenly uh, the lights come back on. And there's suddenly a little skeleton in the middle of the floor. And they don't know what the hell's going on. They're like, yeah. oh my god! And then the next floor they get up. It's like this weird eight bit animated like la, la cucaracha thing for no mm-hmm. reason they go to another one there's like a dinosaur who kind of like sticks its head in through the doors of, of of the elevator and then the doors close and they keep on right it's it sounds like very cool yeah um yeah we talked about parks and recreation i started watching that this week so good. um george lucas is officially retiring from big budget filmmaking did you see this i i saw the headline he uh he's well the funny thing he's he's kind of announced this by throwing a little bit of a snit about how why he would ever like he doesn't want to make any more Star Wars movies if everyone's gonna like call him an asshole and berate him that that was like it isn't that specific quote but it was something to that effect where he's just kind of like I'm just me 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 I'm just gonna do Red Tails and I'm just gonna make little art house movies from now on which I'm fine with he said he was gonna do that after Return of the Jedi but he never did but then again he was raising kids like he yeah. adopted a couple kids right when Return of the Jedi was wrapping up so. Uh, he had told everyone that he was going to spend all of his time doing little art, house, out, little art house movies after that. But he spent, instead, you know, time raising kids. Has anyone asked him what that means regarding another Indiana Jones movie? Steven Soderbergh. Or Steven he said Soderberg that's the been... one clause oh, okay. that he's leaving open. Is that he'll, yeah. yeah. But what? Steven Soderbergh? What's I mean, Steven Spielberg. 
Steven Soderbergh wants to make an only, Indiana Jones movie. I'm so confused about all these Hollywood Stevens. <laughs> well, no, I was just thinking because Steven Soderbergh has said he's going to retire after like the next three. Oh, really? He makes. Yeah. Oh, but he makes three movies in a year, so he's going to be retired by August. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, so Shannon Garrity's Nirvonic uh, has just been released in a omnibus form. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just sent me a copy of this because I had done some fan art for her like 10 years ago, which I completely forgot about. But she sent me, because I had done that, she sent me copies. It's, uh, uh, yeah, Shannon's uh, website. Nirvonic is good shit. Nirvonic was hilarious. It's, uh, it was. It's no longer existing. <laughs> it ceased is to it be. Is it still online? It is still online. Okay, it's a free webcomic that you can now buy as a book. Narbonic. What's the site? Is I it think it's narbonic.com. Uh, it's about it's good stuff. Helen Narbon, mm-hmm. uh, who is a, doc, um, a crazy mad scientist and her just her crazy wacky adventures. It's the format of the strip is kind of like a uh, Sunday comic strip where mm-hmm. it's not like a big like action serial or anything like that. It's more of a like gag week strip. It's very cute. Her her art is very charming and she's a really good ear dialogue. Yeah, she's so, a really good writer. Highly recommend. And so yeah, this just came out came out in big book form, so you should check that out. And uh, one last thing. Did you see this? Roger Langridge is writing a Popeye series. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, man. That is the best news in Wait, forever. Wait, is he just writing it or is he drawing it? Uh, writing. Damn it. I know. Oh. Ro- Roger for, Langridge, his art style is so fucking appealing. It's for IDW. I know. And he would write, he would write and draw a great Popeye he strip. He would. Yeah. Uh, Roger Langridge, he does a, a comic called Hotel Fred. He was doing a great Muppet okay, Fred show. Yeah. What did I call it? You called Hotel Fred, which it was later. Oh, okay. First it was um, anyway. But yeah, he also did a great Muppet Show comic yeah. for, uh, was it for IDW or something? Boom. Else? For Boom Studios. Or Dynamite or whatever. That, that was fucking hilarious. Yeah, he's just he's just a really great comic artist. Man, Popeye. Man, for Popeye to be making a comeback, that's great, because I love <laughs> me some Popeye. It's, it's funny, because like, Popeye's great, but what most people think of Popeye is just the old like black and white cartoons, not yeah. so much of the comic strips. And the comic yeah. strips are kind of like fuddy-duddy compared to the old... Fleischer Brothers comics or well, cartoons. Just, the Fleischer like, Brothers cartoons are so distinctive. Yeah, and but yeah, but, 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 I mean, As I would love for them to be, like to be like, oh man, new Popeye comic coming out tomorrow would make me so happy. So that <laughs> sounds like that's going to be happening. I think it's that, that's starting up in April. So that is the news of this week. Oh no, I'm most excited about this. Of course, I have to discuss this. Oh no, they announced that they're releasing the Mass Effect Three demo on Valentine's Day. What? Yeah. What? They're releasing the Mass Effect Three demo would on Valentine's they do Day. That? Is this a single great. player demo? No, it's going to have single player and co op stuff on it. Wow. And apparently, it's just have a really. It's just February fourteenth. Really, February fourteenth. So I turned to my baby assholes? girl. I turned to my wife and I said, "Baby girl, darling, we're gonna get a big old bottle of champagne. We're gonna make us a fine dinner." And say hello to Shepard. Mm. <laughs> Go spend some quality time with Garrus. Oh, Liara, girl, what you up to, girl? You wanna go shoot a reaper? Yeah. Well, if it's connect control, maybe you can shoot with uh, makeouts. There we go. With smooches. There we go. Yeah. Which is smooches. It'll be great. No, it's supposed to be, you're supposed to be able to use the connect controls. Can you use your Shepard? Which I'm intrigued. Oh, did you see there's a, a game coming out called Kingdom of Amalur, which mm-hmm. if you download the demo, you unlock stuff from Mass Effect 3. I have already downloaded the demo. It's it's kind of charming. Yeah. I started playing it. It feels very much so Fable, the Fable-ish, Dragon Age 2-ish. The only thing I know that studio that's making Kingdom of Amalur, they did a great uh, Xbox Live uh, port of, I think that's the same guys, of Settlers of Catan. Hmm. I think because it's 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 thirty eight studios and big one big giant games. Big giant, I thought it was big giant big games because those big are the guys. I don't think it's big. Maybe game. I'm not. The, maybe that's not because I think maybe this is their first game. Yeah. Because the thing oh. the thing about this game that gives it some clout is that it's um, R. A. Salvatore or whatever his name is. Oh, really? Todd McFarlane and a dude, oh. some dude from Bioware. Oh. Um. Anal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
facial hair system. Man, did you see the interview with the guy from uh, Bioware who he was talking about how he they put multiplayer in Mass Effect because multiplayer makes games better. That was the statement. The weirdest statement you can make. Like, as if well, suggesting that multiplayer inherently makes a game better, a single-player game better. Well, I can I can see why... Man, I don't know about Mass Effect 3. That is weird, because that sounds like EA shoving their little Jim Henson hand up his butt to make him say that, to make people people not worry about Mass Effect 3. (laughs) That makes me more worried about Mass Effect 3 when he's making statements like that. Anyway. I'm going to play the fuck out of it. No, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to play it. Can't be any worse than Uncharted 3, which is a wreck. You know what? It could be any worse than Doctor Who. Stop. Stop recording right now. This is the first week in five weeks we haven't gotten any negative feedback about Doctor Who. Stop it. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, uh, we should have mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, but this week we're talking about... I did. Did we? Yes, I did. I said we're going to talk about ladies and media, and you said, no, I'm going to talk about our list. (laughs) Okay. We're going to talk about ladies and media when we come right back. Okay. Okay. You knocked me on my knees and I can't stand up. Right, girl. Come here often. You come here to the Cobra Hole. <laughs> that was Tom Haverford was trying to buy uh, there's a, a share in the Cobra Hole. There's a great part of the Pawnee <laughs> book, which is so much fun. That's talking about all the the clubs in Pawnee, yeah. of which there are many. This anyway, Parks and Recreation. Anyway, that's nothing to do with hot ladies in fiction, oh, unless you're God. talking about Leslie Nope and her brown friend. So, um, our dear friend and listener um, and number one fan, um, Sean Baker, suggested we talk about um, our favorite ladies in 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 fiction. So that's what we're doing today because we have lots of we do like the ladies in fiction. Um, it's so to keep this clean and to keep this from rambling because this is a very easy subject to go down the rabbit hole. Man, um, I've challenged Bill because I'm looking at his list. I've challenged Bill. To be fair, these are lists from four different podcasts worth of stuff. I'm just saying. I see the list of ladies. I'm just the, I can't find. Oh, this is the list of ladies. Yes, that huge okay. page of that's full of information. There's I a lot challenged of, you know Bill. What? My list of awesome or uh, this is the terrible thing because you can come up with a lot list of not. It, it's not that hard to come up with a list of not terrible female characters in games and movies and TV and stuff like that. It's hard to come up with a list of really good, compelling female mm. characters because like even like like I drop a huge list of different female characters from all different kinds of stuff but trying to find characters who are actually kind of badass on their own and not just like remarkable just because they're not terrible is hard yeah that's really what it is like you want the video game stuff like I like I pulled up like uh was it Daniel Fight mentioned Samus Samus Aaron from mm. the Metroid games she's a badass bounty hunter She's remarkable because she was the first, like, one of the few first console video game characters who was female and was right. a badass, and the fact that she was a female, uh, fe- I hate saying female, it makes me sound like a fucking Varangi. Female? She was female! Uh, but the fact that she was a woman was never, like, an issue in the story or anything like that. That yeah. was completely just, like, you know, be- besides the point. But she's not really realized as a character or anything like that, until the one time they try to expand her character with the latest Metroid game, they just turned her into this weirdly submissive lady who just wants to have alien babies or something like that and they kind of biff that but like yeah 
it's hard to find like actually good characters to stand on their own that happen to have vaginas. So I challenged Bill to make a list of his top five. Don't look at my top five. I'm not looking. I had to drop this list very quickly and it could change <laughs> on a moment's notice. I put him under the gun because I'm like, let's keep this focused because if you st- just start rattling off females in fiction. I know. That's so, the thing is I, I drew up a list that it could rattle off, but half of them are just kind of like, no, nah, See, bad, and I don't, nah. it's, what's, what's, what is accomplished by rattling Miss off Miss Piggy. This is, oh man, why didn't I put Miss Piggy on my list actually? <laughs> so we're going to. She's a good one. Just, we're just. Well, she kind of, she embodies the negative aspects of female, which is she's like, ah yeah, <laughs> And just, I don't know. See, but there's, you can... She's controlling. There's a, it's easy, it's easy to say a good female character is a non-traditional female character. That is where it, the, it's really easy to just say yeah. that. When really, there's nothing wrong with a really good, engaging, very traditional female character. Yeah, like Marion the Librarian from The Music Man. <laughs> or, you know, on that same riff. She's like, smart! Yeah, no, see, like, it, oftentimes what's, and this is, I wanted to go on a little thing about this, in period. Yeah. Because it's interesting, what I always find really interesting is how people are able to make period female characters compelling and interesting. Without breaking the period? Without because, breaking like, you talk, them. Because, like, you were one big thing about, the, like, the Robin Hood TV mm. show the BBC came up with a couple years was their idea of turning Marion into an interesting character was to make her, like... like She's Batman. She's Batman, which makes no sense for that She's time Batman. or place. Well, beyond that, like, you could... I could just do a whole episode on Maid Marion. Like, honestly, I was yeah. thinking about that. I was walking over, I'm like, We oh. could someday. We could do another lady podcast and, like, have uh, Maid Marion be a jumping off point. Because Maid Marion is kind of in, in like, just this really condensed version. It's pretty much everything that you can do right and wrong with women in, in period. You mean from this TV show? This BBC? No, in general. Oh, you in mean just as a character. every single depiction yeah. of Robin Hood. It's like, like, what do you do to period women to make them strong? Like, there's one of my favorite characters is um, lady characters is in this there's a series of books that are near and dear to my heart um, that are these detective books about this detective in ancient Rome um, at the time of Vespasian it's these books um, about a character named Marcus Didius Falco and I, he, he totally falls under the um, sh- sad schmuck private detective archetype that yeah. I love so dearly. But he falls in love with this woman who is uh, the daughter of a senator named Helena, who is actually much smarter than him mm-hmm. and much better with people than him and generally much better <laughs> with her job. But and, and the few times when she was actually able to actively help him in any sort of mystery solving context, she's much better at it than he is. Okay. But by, and one thing that's always frustrated me about those books is that by nature of the time she can't be very engaged but on the other hand it's so true like she starts having babies and you know she's trying to figure out how to support their household and that takes up a lot of her time and on one hand that's frustrating because i want to see her you know do all this but if you did like it's very hard to put her you can't have though in a perfect fantasy world i would much prefer the books that they were not the marcus Davies falco books but if they were about helena and justina but that wouldn't be realistic that you can't you can't do it yeah. so i really respect the author for how she handles that character and how she handles her her going into motherhood and all these other things even as it kind of frustrates she doesn't me. she doesn't turn into period fan fiction no is what you're saying she just doesn't like which yeah. is really, I mean, when you look at the best women in period anything, be it TV or whatever, they're very smart, and they're smart enough to see where the boundaries are. Yeah, and, and she knows they know how to work around that they're, or they're work within those boundaries. Them. Yeah, because yeah. like, like Mary was, Poppins, yeah. she says, banker, I'm going to take your kids. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> Boom. Wow! 
Or like I, I showed the missus. I think I talked about this last week. Maybe not. I showed the missus Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. No, I, I don't think she. Maybe yeah. I didn't. So I showed, which is a great musical from MGM, and which should be terrible because the premise of the you film. You had me watch parts of it. I was like, that's cute, but I got no, to play amazing. Nintendo. Yeah. No, it's it's good because it should be terrible because what it is is it's about um this of these set there are these seven brothers who live in backwoods Oregon. Woo! Who um need women, and so, <laughs> so they come and they kidnap the women. That's a great alternate and title for that. Need women, and then the women fall in love with them, and it should be Stockholm Syndrome musical, yeah. but it's somehow acceptable because of this character, the, the main female character is this woman. Um, um, oh fuck, I blanked on her name just now. Morpheus. Little, no, you just watched it last week. I just watched it. No, Dorcas is um, Julie Newmar's character in this. Julie movie, Newmar's though. in that? Yeah, she's wow. one of the women who's kidnapped. Jesus. Oh, and I didn't realize you were actually Millie. kidnapped. Millie. Oh yeah, they're kidnapped. Oh my god, that's amazing. Is this like the rape of Lucris or whatever. Well, like no, what it is is, is yeah. Well, the, the, it's, of course it's Millie's fault because the two books she bought, she brought. Because what? Here's here's it in a nutshell. Isn't there something else that gets stuck in there? There's a like a snowfall that yes, cuts there them is. off. So Adam. Oh god. Here it is in a nutshell. Adam comes to town to find a wife. Yeah. He meets Millie, and he's a very compelling character. I'm the third generation in my family to have a crush on Howard P. Keel, so I have to say wow. this. Um, no, he's a very compelling character, and he's very persuasive. And she's like, he's like, I, you know, ta- you know, this is, I can, you know, court you conventionally, but it would take months, and, you know, life is hard, and, and we need to farm the country, and I'm gonna, not going to be back for a long time, so just marry me, and come and live with me. And so she's totally, like, falls into, the, like, the concept of this life that they'll share together, just working the land together and getting to know this very compelling man and um so she's like okay yeah and they go off and then she finds out that he has six brothers that he never bothered to mention and they're all jackasses and she slowly herds them and turns them into reasonable human beings but um and uh you know but they're all like well we want a woman blah 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 so she's like well i'll show you how to court ladies and so they go into town and they court the ladies but it's not you know things go rise they do and um, so, of course, the two books she bought with her to the backwoods to read to her children when she has them, not knowing that really it's going to be reading to these six children, yeah. is um, the Bible and um, Plutarch's Lives of the Romans. Hmm. So um, Adam reads The Rape of the Sabines, which is about the ancient Romans um, don't have any women, so they go and they kidnap yeah. these Sabine women. It's and, a famous yeah, thing. It's, yeah. And, yeah. And so, of course, he reads that and goes, oh, well, we're going to do this. Oh, okay. So it's not even just a retelling of that. It actually is like the it's like, in the inspiration within the within even the story There's, itself. Yeah, okay. that's yeah. that is quote unquote cute. <laughs> if you so call, of course, let's go rape some ladies. Cute. Well, here's the thing: they go and they kidnap all the women, and yeah, they come back through this snow pass, and they make it. Uh, they cause an avalanche, so they're snowed in. Yeah. So the people from the town can't come get them. Part of the plan is that they're going to so kidnap. It's like a very happy diehard. They're going to exactly. <laughs> They're going to kidnap the preacher, too, and marry these women. Yeah. Because they want to do it right. But um, they forget <laughs> in the panic. And so they're like, oh, no, now I can't marry them. And so, of course, they show up with all these women, and they did not tell Millie they were going to do this. this. Is and ridiculous. she just looks at them all and goes, fuck all of you. You go sleep in the fucking barn. Yeah. And, of course, over the course of the winter, the women, you know, are we're in love with the men and blah, blah, blah. And so the men realize they have this revelation that they need to take the women back because they have to oh, take okay, them Oh, okay, that's right. okay, yeah. So the 
and towards the end of the movie, they're like, well, we're going to take these women back because they we, we have to treat them like women, like human beings. And how they express is they dance it out. <laughs> Pretty much. So they're going to, but, the, the, when, but of course, as soon as the pass melts enough, all the people from the town come out to take them. Yeah. So there's a sequence at the end where they're trying, the women are like, no, we don't want to go home. And the boys are like, you have to go home. And all the men are like from the town are like, oh, we have to kill these boys, blah, blah. So of course, Millie at this point has had a baby. And they hear the cry of the baby, and as they're all about to shoot the seven brothers, they're like, the preacher comes up and says, now girls, we love you, we're your fathers, and we love you. Whose baby is it? And all the girls turn to each other and go, mine! And it ends with a shotgun wedding. Wow. That's it. You, now you don't have to watch it, but you should. <laughs> but this movie should be awful. It should be awful and unwatchable. But Millie is such a great, strong, badass character who basically is like, fuck all of you. I'm going to make you decent. So she's kind of a Wendy Darling, but a badass Wendy Darling where she's yes. kind of taking care of the situation. She's smart. She's the one yeah. everyone looking. She's in control of the situation. Yeah. Uh, which is funny because someone on Twitter had recommended Wendy Darling as a strong female character, which is not true. <laughs> Uh, but just that got me thinking about that. That's yeah. cool. That's a good example of, especially. But it makes sense in the context of the time. Like, yeah. what even though that movie is not historically accurate to any degree, it's always interesting when you have westerns or things that are set in the west where the rules are kind of different. Yeah, yeah. To see female how how female characters are handled because she even though she is badass and she is strong, but it very much so makes context in in that narrative. Like one of my favorite you know ladies in recent video games was um, Abigail. And, um, um, oh, Abigail from, Bonnie uh, from, um, Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. Oh God, I forgot about her. And they're, they're not really there much, but when they are, they're, they're able to act within the context of the world and still be very engaging Yeah, characters. I forgot about her. She was really good. Abigail is great just because, you know, she has just as rough a past, if not rougher than, than John. Yeah. But she's also trying to lead, lead a good life. And their relationship is so amazingly awkward because they're tough people who don't talk much. Trying to have a relationship, which leads to lots of yeah, lots of yelling and uncomfortable like weirdness. You know? Yeah, and it's great. You know, it's it, with period stuff in particular. It's fascinating to toe that line, like how you take. And the answer is, you just have someone who's smart. And I'm even trying to think, like even like one of my top five. My, the first one I wrote down is my top five was Joe March, who mm-hmm. she's a period character, but like she's not like quite that badass. She's interesting, yeah. but that's another character who works within her station, mostly just because it's uh, uh, oh god, who uh, 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 uh who wrote Little Women. Uh, Louis M. Alcott. It's mm-hmm. not a biography, so yeah. it's not like she was making up the story so much. Yeah. So, it, like, there wasn't he, that Bill much is opportunity. talking about Little Women. Little Women. Uh, the protagonist from Little Women. So there wasn't that much opportunity for her to break the boundaries of what, what you know, she was writing of the period. It was but even so, like, that, life. that kind but of character. that's one of the I like about that character. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, what, what she is doing would not have been necessarily super possible even a generation before. Yeah. Because basically, um, Well, she Joe, becomes a writer. And, yeah. You know, she goes off to New York all by herself. And, yeah. You know, yeah, becomes one of the a char- published. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. One of the characters on my list is a character named Harriet Vane. Um, who is from um, the Lord Peter Whimsey book series, which you have not read, and no one listening to this has read, so bear with me a second. Um, They're written in, like, um, uh, the 20s or 30s, um, and they're this long series of mystery novels about this guy named um, Lord Peter Whimsey, who who is this wealthy um, uh, uh, man of of leisure in, um, in England, and, of course, he's, you know, of the gentry and all that, and he solves mysteries... And it sounds very popish, but it's very intelligent, and he's a very interesting character. Um, but uh, as the series goes on, you have this character introduced named Harriet Vane, who is pretty 
I hate to be, it's, it's so easy to be dismissive of a character by saying it's a self-insertion or autobiographical, yeah. when really that just means you can add an element of truth, yeah. like, that, that there's not there. He, he, he gets involved with this mystery, or with this case, of a woman who has, uh, is suspected of having killed her lover. And, um, needless to say, this is, you know, England of the time, and it's totally a scandalized when case. Is this I think it's the 20s or 30s. Okay. It's pre-World War II. Um, post the Lord Peter was involved in World War One, oh, so no. it's you know that gives you a sense of timeline. It's been long enough now that I can't recall, but um, uh, and Peter just totally has this very strong reaction to this woman, and she at this point is just totally devastated because she did not kill this man. Anyway, I'm not going to go into it, but she's also a writer, and she's trying. She's very much so, pretty much destroyed socially and financially by and emotionally by her relationship with this man and uh with the, her dead um lover and things go right but she's such a great interesting character because the way she deals with the world around her yeah. is so um different from any way i would think to and the way her relationship with lord peter is so interesting in the way it evolves i i highly recommend anyone picking them up uh. they um he um the the book that she first meets peter is good. Fuck, I can't remember which one it is now. There's Busman's Honeymoon, Gaudy Night, um, uh, Five Red Herrings? Fuck. No, damn it, gone. It's all gone. I love them. <laughs> it's all gone. <gasps> it's all one awesome canon in my head. Well, you said something months. about, like, uh, like, going back to the Joe March thing, kind of, like, talking about, like, period stuff. It's just, like, looking at my list of five ladies, I just realized one of the big, uh, threads from my, uh, the, the, the Characters I've chosen from fiction that are female are, are their streaks of decency. They're all, like, decent characters. Because yeah. it's easy, like... It's interesting because what you're talking about, like, women living in the past, but instead of just being, like, artificial badasses, they still yeah. ha- they still hew to a morality, which is understandable. It's not like... Yeah. And just, like, like, like even, like, Joe March, that's one of the things I like about her is the fact that, like, I, like you talking about Harriet Vane yeah. got me thinking about the reason I like Joe March so much. Because her story isn't that fascinating. Her story is just the story of, like... The uh, fifteen-year-old girl, how she lives her life b- uh, between becoming fifteen and then being twenty-five, and all the shit that happens in that ten years of like you know family members dying and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This is all her story takes place uh, essentially during the American Civil War mm-hmm. and just like uh, slightly right after that with uh, Reconstruction and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it's just her being this uh, not quite a farm girl, but she lives in Concord, Massachusetts, and she's trying to be a writer and stuff like that. She j- jets off to New York to become a, a writer and stuff like that. But the fact that she. Uh, a big thing in her story is how she hews to kind of like the morality of like the Pilgrim's pro- Progress and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I just realized that like all all five of my characters have are not quite, if not religious, have like a like they have a guiding force in their life they kind of hew to, which kind of makes mm-hmm. them more interesting than if they were just like than like than like just Ripley from like Aliens, who's a yeah. badass character. Yeah. But you don't know what really makes her tick other than the fact that she just wants to survive. She's badass and she's interesting. Well, characters but can be engaging without knowing a lot about them. Yeah. And they can be memorable. Like, some some people... Well, just... it's also not fair to compare Joe March, the hero of three giant books, to Ellen Ripley, the hero of four really weirdly written <laughs> movies, action horror movies, as far as, like, talking about which one's more developed and which one, you know, I don't know. So, I don't know. Yeah, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, that's a good point. I don't have any villains on my list. Yeah, I don't have any villains either, or any quote-unquote super, like, action-y badasses it's, it's all people who manage to be decent and good despite... That's my list, too. That's, like, was, that's more us speaking about ourselves and what yeah, our hopes and wishes than anything else, That's probably. very much so true. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. about that on the on the way over, because um, I was thinking about Maid Marians, and I was thinking about how one of my favorite te- Maid Marians in any Robin Hood 
this is true. one of my favorite Robins, too, is in Disney's um, animated Robin Hood. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's not that she's a very deep or complex character. It's there she's actually just a total innocent. Um, and with a, just an all, what the one thing that steadies her is just a strong sense of goodness. Yeah. And that's, you know, all, all it takes for that character. I mean, that makes for good heroes, too. But, like, I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. Why don't I have any mean people? I thought I did. I did think about Maleficent. um, Some of my favorite lady um, uh, ladies, and because I was trying to think of movies the last couple of years, and um, uh, I kept thinking of Inglorious Bastards because I really (laughs) Shoshana Dreyfus. Oh man. Shoshana, she's not a very. There's not a lot to that character, and it's really all. She's just how, an engine for revenge, really. Yeah, you want to push, but them how show. that character is played. Yeah, I like how 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 that what that I can't remember who that actress was, but she brought such great presence to that character that I buy it hook, line, and sinker. Well, that's an, her, and it sticks to my teeth. Her, and, yeah, know. Shoshana is also interesting too because instead of like her story is a story of revenge, but instead of spending the entire movie just angry and just out to destroy everyone like there's points in the movie where she gets cornered and almost flips the fuck out like the whole yeah. thing with the the strudel and the cream oh the man restaurant. that is what that is one of my favorite moments in movie history that is a fucked up scene and like you uh, know, like actually nothing really happens no. but it's just her perspective you're so yeah like, oh my god See, but that's it you totally you so totally hook line and sinker buy into that per, her perspective yeah that you that, that movie is ex- that scene is excruciating to watch and when she has her breakdown at the end of it you're yeah. just like it's weird like i oh, still man. love that movie with her head like the fucking wizard yes! of oz over the flames yes! of burning nazis god damn i love that movie but still she's still well, although she's but kind what? of abandoned any kind of sense of like moral code other totally kill them kill them, kill well, them. See, that's what i was like exactly so kind of, I was kind of a think... shallower character because yeah she's not really a human being at that point as much as she's just a death machine well we're not she still talking... has enough you what know... makes a character engaging i don't know is it having the computer manual of their life, or is it just that there's something about them that resonates with you, even at the, the barest of details? Uh, being hot, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what else you got? She don't make my dick soft. So <laughs> it's pretty much ninety nine percent right there. She had to be played by Winona Ryder. Um, no. Also, on my list is another Harriet. Um, God uh, damn. Uh, Harriet M. Welsh. There's a reason why I say, like, if I ever had a little girl, she's Harriet, Harriet yeah. so deal with it, future Harriet. That's why my Shepherd, my Commander Shepherd in Mass Effect is Harriet Shepherd. Yeah. Because Harriet Vane and Harriet M. Welsh are two of my favorite fictional characters, period. Yeah. No, Harriet M. Welsh is the protagonist from Harriet the Spy. Oh, okay. Which is actually a really good book, and I highly recommend. It's very readable as an adult. What's fascinating about that book is that um, it's just a very perfect um like image of a young person at that moment in your life where it's like you know you're pre-sexual and you're totally self-absorbed how old is she young i don't know it's like 10 Pro- i mean i can't remember now she's it's just really kind of that moment in your life before when you're still you're still you're old enough to or you're young enough to be totally self-absorbed yeah but you're starting to be old enough that you're realizing that maybe that's not okay yeah um but it's just and it's such a great like like, just totally sums up what assholes kids can be and yeah. how good they can be at the same time. I do enjoy the the, the movie adaptation with um, uh, Michelle Trattenberg as Harriet. Oh, too. God, I've seen bits it's and pieces of that. It's actually kind yeah. of great. And it just, you know, it's just, she's just such a jackass. And uh, it, 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 like, sums up how heartless kids See, that's can be. See, I like other. that's a nice exception for our thing where, like, the female character, like, hewing some, to some kind of decency. That's a nice exception just because she's a kid. 
She she's at least a little more well rounded and like I don't yeah. know. That's a nice exception from my list. Highly recommend anyone if you have not read that book or if it's been a long time, pick up Harry the Spy. Yeah. It's so damn great. Harry M. Wells. She makes up the middle name M because she thinks she should have one. Aww. You know, this will be the third writer that's on both of our lists. Because you have Joe March, and I have Harriet Vane, and Harriet Welsh. Harriet Welsh, everything in her life is driven by the fact that she wants to be a writer. Harriet Vane is a mystery writer. Oh, that's actually a good point. Uh, that is the only... Well, technically there's another writer. Technically there are two other writers on my list. Who else are you listed writers? Uh, Peggy Olson and C.J. Craig. Oh, C.J. Craig. C.J. Craig! Yeah. And C.J. Craig, of course, is the, um, uh, what is she, the press secretary on press the West Wings. on the West Wings. Played, played by the amazing Allison Janney. Oh, my God. How do you even describe her or like, even talk about why she's, she's so great. awesome? She's just great. She's just a badass. She's a lady in power who doesn't let that shit go to her head or get o- easily overwhelmed by it. Yeah. Who just, uh, witty with a sense of humor, who handles her job very well, who's very smart about her job. Then again, that... That's ha- that's most of the characters on that goddamn show. True. It's not like, oh yeah, except for Bafo, who's const- constantly overwhelmed by everything that happens every week. No, <laughs> it's the president's staff. Everyone's all capable and badass. Um, no, but yeah, no. Uh, Allison Janney is great because um, she uh, brings a a lot of. Um, she's very um, tough and capable, but she still brings um, that emotional element to it. It's well, never disengaged. Also, with her being the press secretary, mm-hmm. she's kind of having to mop up a lot of the other people's bullshit, because she has yeah. to put on the good face for the White House staff, yeah. even when shit's falling apart behind the scenes. So you see her involved in all the shit that's going down, but then she has to turn around and kind of placate the press and stuff like that. Yeah. And so she has a more fucked up job than everyone else as far as just like the shit, all the shit she has to juggle at once. Like yeah. having to deal with the public and stuff at the same time. And she's just... Yeah, half of that is also just, yeah, Alice and Janney, she just performs that Alice character with such, like, wit and humor, but she can be a badass when she wants to. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, she's just, yeah, everyone should just, uh, even aside from the C.J. Craig and Alice and Janney, you should just want to watch at least the first four seasons of The West Wing. Still fantastic. Why should I give a shit about Peggy Olsen? Uh, Peggy Olsen, man, Peggy Olsen! Well, which I forgot, she's also an ex-alumni of the West Wing, she played yes. Bartlett's daughter. Yes, she did. Uh, Peggy Olsen is badass, but she's still, uh, they don't go so far trying to make her badass than make her completely invulnerable. It's kind of lame, because she does get knocked up by one of the characters in the first season, and there's some drama about oh, babies and stuff that. like that. That's like real stupid soap opera bullshit. It's so hard to write. Why is it so hard to tell compelling drama, have compelling drama about mothers? Yeah. I was thinking about this. She gives up the kid and there's all this drama about she gives up the kid and blah, 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 blah. But aside from that, uh, she's really interesting because she actually does a lot of the heavy lifting of the work for the main character, Don Draper. Mm-hmm. And Don doesn't really, no one else, Don or no one else in the company really kind of gives her that much credit, but she has to kind of keep on working and working through that in order to keep mm-hmm. on advancing her career. And of course, be, this being the early to mid 60s, she's one of the few female advertising copywriters out there, so she has to pull, yeah. put up with a lot of bullshit. And, and uh, again, she's another character who's decent. She, you know, she's a. She, She's Catholic, I think. Mm-hmm. And she's someone who's still... She's Not like she's still a churchgoer, but she is still vulnerable <laughs> enough that, like... Yeah. Catholicism is something you never walk away Exactly. From. <laughs> and that's a... Like, she still has her mom and her mom's uh, sister who kind of, like, fuck with her, and she still has to see them. They're always kind of, like, hanging over her head, mm-hmm. trying to uh, hook her up with, like... There's, like, some religious priest guy that they're trying to get her to date. I can't be a priest because priests don't date, but it's some other, some, some, somebody from the church. Generically religious, man. And she's just another character who, aside from the fact that being female in the 60s, working on, on, in Manhattan, you know, she has to put up with the bullshit. But the fact that, like, 
There's this one episode called The Suitcase from last the last season of Mad Men where things between her and Don Draper come to a head, where she ends up breaking up with her boyfriend and the same night Don Draper is keeping her in the office to work on the suitcase suitcase advertisement and she ends up finally calling him out on all of his bullshit and mm-hmm. he she he calls her out on all of her bullshit and she ends up breaking down crying and he ends up feeling bad and he takes her out for drinks and they go listen to a Muhammad Ali fight on the radio and it's just something about that character where she still hangs as one of the guys even though being a lady and I don't know it's just you have to kind of see it but she's fantastic mm-hmm and she I like the, that lady. I like is, that lady who played that. She character. is kind of the beating heart of the show in terms of just because everyone else's heart is dead. Yeah, and she's that's the only why we'll never watch Mad Men. And I would, I would love there to be some kind of postscript to the show once the show wraps up, just to see what happened to Peggy Olsen. Because you know, like they actually based off her off of a real female copywriter who was working at that same time. She's some famous lady, like within the advertising industry. I can't remember her name, but like she, she uh, just retired, like maybe sometime in the early 90s, but she had one hell of a career because she was working in the mid-60s all the way up until the 90s. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that 30-year gap working in the advertising yeah. industry. That's a, You're going to have a lot of stories to tell. Yeah. And so supposedly they have talked to her and she's informed a lot of the Peggy Olsen stuff. So maybe it's not so much Peggy Olsen as this lady they based it off of who I can't remember. <laughs> I'd look it up on Wikipedia right now when Wikipedia is down because it's so good. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I'm not articulating what, articulating why I like Peggy Olsen so well, but I just, you just... did better than I did with Harriet Vane. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of this comes down to, we like them. I like them. And like I said, like, I hate to point out the big fact that the vulnerability of Peggy Olsen being such a big thing, because it's not like she's always, like, weeping down and crying. I, actually, I think the, the suitcase episode may be the first time you actually see her break down from pressures from work, because she's usually such a hard-ass about that stuff. Um, but it's still, it makes, she's still human without being, yeah. like, a robot... It's nice to have characters who can be emotionally honest. Yeah. Because there's so much that, you know, like, like you, can't, it's hard to have tough dude emotionally honest yeah. On the flip side of this, there's Britta from the community who's just a skeezy skank bag, who I also am amused by because she's a skeezy skank bag. <laughs> people point that out. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. She's not on my list either, but I just want to point that out. What else you got? Um, uh, of course I have a Hermione Granger. Yeah! If, okay... In a perfect world, right now, um, J.K. Rowling would be writing novels um, set 20 years after the Harry Potter books about Hermione Granger working, like, they're, like, basically crime or mystery novels with Hermione Granger oh, working man, don't in Mystery of Magic. That. Oh, man, don't even say that. Is that who she's working for at the end? Uh, I, I can't remember In the epilogue at the end up. of the last book? The epilogue, she did not wind up where I wanted her to work up, end up what did you want mental her to do? epilogue. Yeah. I can't remember now. It's been long enough. I had a very elaborate headcanon of Harry Potter. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if we've ever talked about this. My I was an intense Harry Potter person, friends. y'all. Some of y'all may have been with me long enough to know about this. Man, I'm still sour over the fact that Pottermore has not launched. <laughs> Just anyway, because no, I need to be sorted by J.K. Rowling's website. Hermione Granger is just a great character. Yeah. She's another one of those people where she's very she's very much so informed by her intelligence, and the Harry Potter books would be more interesting if she were the protagonist. There was a really interesting essay about a year or yeah. two ago that Kate was floating around online that was basically re like positioning the whole books with Hermione Granger as a protagonist and what a she, more Because of all the characters, she's the one who really gets shit done. Well, and she's also the one that has, I think, the most clear emotional arc over the books. Peggy Olsen <laughs> is the Hermione Granger of Mad Men, is all I'm saying, where she's doing all the heavy yeah. lifting and she's actually the smartest one in the room. No yeah. one wants to acknowledge it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, Hermione Granger, man. I love her. Yeah. What's I'm, not I'm great still, about Hermione Granger? I'm still kind of bu- I'm still kind of bummed because in the movie she's not as fucked up, goofy looking as she is in the books where she's got the big buck teeth and the frizzy hair. I 
I grew to love. Emma I got no Watson's problem with Emma Watson. No, it's great. But like, yeah, as a kid, well, she ends up making herself look prettier in the books. They even say that she ends yeah. up growing into. I know, and she and she shrinks her teeth down. She shrinks her teeth down. <laughs> Fucking love Hermione Granger. So she still would have turned into Emma Watson anyway, even if it was just the books. But yeah, I kind of miss the fact that the first movie or two, her just being like little buck tooth, like me. I'm just saying, in yeah. 50 years, I want BBC to commission a mini series about adult Hermione Granger <laughs> doing cool things. <laughs> With, while Ron is at home taking care of their eight. The Granger children. Danger Ranger? Is that, like that's what that. you want to see? Oh, Something God, like you know, that. Imagine, imagine Ron at home? Imagine! What it's like a procedural. Like Rose and Herbert or I something can't like that. Now, but Hugo. no. Rose no. and Hugo. <laughs> I love those guys. Ron is at home. He's a stay at home dad. All he has to entertain <laughs> himself and keep himself <laughs> sane is he coaches the local Quidditch, children's Quidditch team. Oh, my God. And, um. With and his Chudley Cannon shirt. Exactly. You know. yeah. And Hermione Granger is out solving crimes. Tell me that is not something you tune in to watch every fucking week. Isn't she just a sex slave to the Whomping Willow in the epilogue? I can't remember. I can't remember how that ends. Don't make don't make fucking jokes like that about Hermione Granger. I will cut you. It's like Job of the Hut, but just a fucking creep. love Hermione Granger. <laughs> yeah, I know she's great. She you don't wears, even. You she can't. She always wears a pink sweater. No, they point out in the making of Harry Potter book I have that, like, like uh, with the second movie, they started establishing that the characters have a certain col- color palette. Yeah. And they gave Hermione a pink one. They said spe- they don't want to try to make it too girly, but it is well, kind of no, like... see, that's one of the things I like about Harry Potter, is it's about Hermione Granger trying to f- kind of figuring out the person that she is. Yeah. And when you're a young woman, it's very much so feeling feeling out what kind of woman you are. Yeah. And I like that. Well, that's you the whole thing with her and the Yule that. Ball coming up for the first time and trying to, like, like shrink her teeth yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. And even in more subtle ways throughout the books. It's just, you know, that's something that takes a long time. It took me until I was, like, 26 to be comfortable with the kind of woman that I am. And it's just really cool to have that story told you in, in, in fiction. You don't yeah. get that very often. Yeah. So it's rad. Yeah. It was almost like a, between Catholicism and hey, the antidepressant medication that it's hard to figure out who you are until a while later I can see on. That. So also so, on your list. Anyway, no, I, that was, what's on your, it's your turn. Oh, uh, it's mine? Oh, I only got one left, because we already talked about Peggy Olsen. No, 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 I got two left. Uh, Kira Neris from Star Trek D. Space Nine! Oh, yeah! <laughs> another lady who's decent, because uh, this is another lady who is a lady of faith, who, uh, she is religious. She's, well, a big thing in D. Space Nine is the Bajoran people, the wrinkly French coat. Yes. French cut. French uh-huh. fry knows people, is that uh-huh. they're super religious. I like the fact that, like, all, despite all the shit that happens in those, uh series of that show she still maintains her faith and her religion i'm always really interested in in sci-fi stories where you have these characters who have faith and their faith is not made fun of and they're able to maintain yeah and that's what that's 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 one thing i really like about because it's funny because i am not a big fan of organized religion at all i am not particularly faithful myself i am like agnostic or whatever the fuck but it's interesting when you exactly like not even a female character but any character who 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 like and not even in science fiction but someone who is of a faith and yeah. despite all the fucked up shit that happens inevitably in some kind of big story, yeah. like, they still keep their faith, and, like, even the fact that they keep their faith isn't necessarily a big story point of itself. Yeah. But, like, that character remains that consistent, because the whole point is faith is you're going to stick with your faith no matter what. Well, not necessarily. Well, but, but, I, but you know what I mean. From, from an outsider's point of perspective, at least well, from my outsider's I always, I always love when you about. have characters of faith in sci-fi or fantasy, because you have this outlandish w- world that seems outlandish to you, the reader, and yeah. you have these characters who are dealing with that reality, and, like, they still have have these beliefs that they maintain. It's like um, a nice subtle thing that they do in Mass Effect is um, Ashley Williams, who is... Um, space racist. Space racist. Um, she's 
she they don't say that she's she's Christian. Yeah. They imply that she is somehow monotheistic. And you know, if you think about that, about have a faith that's pre like alien. Oh yeah, no, contact, that's that that would inform a lot of her perspective and and that. how that would change. But you still maintaining that sort of faith and altering that faith. Another great example of that is um, Scully in the X Files. Oh yeah, because she's she's very very Catholic and just see. And, and, and I've only think, seen a couple episodes of the X Files, but that's what I've heard about her. Yeah, yeah Scully is a great character because her faith, the she's way like, her faith changes over the course of the show. Is she like a practicing like Catholic or something? I, well, I mean, in as much as any Catholic, or she just raised that way, and she still—I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if she still believed in the church or anything it's, like that. If that's an issue, as I recall, it's been a long time since I walked down the X Files road. But I was identified strongly with um, with Scully because, like, the way her—you know—your faith is going to be a little different once your baby has been abducted by aliens. Like, let's be oh, honest. is that a thing that happened? That's one of the things that happens. Um, but uh, like, one of my favorite episodes of the X Files is actually one that Jillian Anderson wrote and directed. It's kind of a weird little episode. that's entirely about Scully's faith in a very indirect and because um, uh, it draws on a lot of like generically Eastern like religious practices and like how like Scully's faith would change and all this because it's yeah. when Mulder is gone and all this other stuff, and um, she's just kind of like. Because her faith just changes. Because a lot, most people who really do have a deep and profound faith, it doesn't go away. It just changes. Yeah. You know, it's like you you get very rarely do you meet people who really truly believe in God and then go to a different faith or even, um, or I should say, like when you look at like atheist threads on online, God help you. Um, or, you know, it's like people don't abandon that who really had that in them to begin with. Like, I always find when you are a faith-filled person, it's hard to walk away from that entirely. Your faith just transfers to something else. Yeah. It's like, I am, uh, you know, I was very much so raised Catholic and Catholicism. Like, I think it was like Martin Sheen said something along the lines of like, or or, or maybe it was um, uh, Martin Scorsese. It was like, there's, you can't not be Catholic. Yeah. You are Catholic forever. And I guess I am as Catholic as anyone who is um, married to a woman can be. But, uh, you know, you, it's hard. There are some things that they're just ingrained in you and you can't walk away from them. Like, I may not have, uh, say, my rosary um, every day. And I may not believe in the Holy Trinity anymore. But, you know, I cannot not believe in a higher power. Mm-hmm. You know? We went on a little divergence there. Scully's great! You this know is the great? most Scully? hilarious episode yet. This is the yet. funniest episode. Okay. Uh, no, 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 but that's, 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 yeah, Scully's fantastic. So are you crossing out someone or replacing them with Scully? No, I just crossed out Scully. Oh, okay. Scully. Uh, so yeah, this all just started with me talking about Kieran Kira- Reese is awesome. <laughs> well, no, religious characters are interesting in sci-fi. And yeah, and this is the most thing. obviously religious character that I have on my list. But then again, like I said, my list, I, after, like, we started recording, I realized that they're all hewn to decency. But yeah, she's the one who's most outwardly religious, but though she's also the most outwardly badass because she's the one who actually does have like combat skills and yeah. is the most stereotypical like badass like Ripley female yeah. like warrior chick. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, she's great. Uh, like I like I said, th- th- this 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 really struck me because I was reading something about how. Uh, you know, when Star Trek has an all-expanded universe outside of the TV shows where, like, people right. have written books and stuff like that. And I guess in the expanded universe of the comics and novels, she's actually turned into a religious figure. She's actually hmm. on the path to becoming especially, essentially a priest of Aww. that religion. I was like, I, so I was like, really? I was like, actually, that makes sense. Like, there's nothing about that character that would that would not make, wouldn't make sense. Yeah. And I was like, that's actually interesting, because, like, she goes through a lot of shit through those 
through the, the, the seven seasons of these Space Nights where she's killing people, she's torturing people, she's yeah. being tortured herself, shit's getting fucked up left and right. Deep Space Nine is known for being the most more, morally uh, sophisticated Star Trek episode, uh, series out there. She goes through a lot of shit, but I could see her still, yeah, at the end of that, like, at the end of the series, she still keeps her faith. Yeah. Even though her faith means that one of her best friends gets turned into a god thing and taken away from this corporeal plane doesn't make any sense like you do i know yeah her religion gets a little goofy towards the end but the fact that she sticks with it and but she's not like always constantly talking about it too that that's the other thing she's like people will kind of tease yeah. her a little bit or something like that but she's not constantly going off about her religion and stuff like that i like when characters do uh, that because that's what actual non-annoying people yeah exactly do. she just has that faith but she's not like preaching all the time there's one great episode though where there's like this prophecy where uh, the wormhole that Deep Space Nine is supposed to be protecting is going to get destroyed by three vipers. And, like, this one Bajoran dude is all like, oh, man, it's going to be the scientists from the uh, Cardassians or the Bad Lizard people. Yeah. They're going to show up. They're they're supposed to show up and do some kind of test on the wormhole. Those are the three vipers, and they're going to destroy the wormhole. And Kira's like, I don't know. He could be right. And Cisco, the captain, is like, oh, that's fucking bullshit. Religion is dumb. <laughs> that actually turns out to be true. Kira does her best to keep from being like, I told you so. Like, Cisco's flipping out. But it's a very cool episode. But, you know, that's another episode. Yeah. Not the episode well, okay. isn't necessarily about faith, but no, it's yeah. one of that plays. That's one of the few episodes that really brings up her faith and kind of yeah. like that. But so, it's not so, mocking it or anything like, like Nick that. and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Not a good movie. <laughs> not a good movie. Not yeah. a good movie. But one thing I do like is that, you know, the Kat Dennings, her character's Jewish and they don't make a point of it. Except for one point where she's talking to this boy that she really likes. Um, she she just starts talking about this aspect of Jewish faith that has always resonated with her. Yeah. And it's just a very real, honest sort of thing. And I was like, that's a nice thing. I like when, when faith is used as, like, a way to, like, show, shade the perspective of a character. Yeah. Because it's so, I'm so used to, um, faith being portrayed, at, like we do in our modern society, as an extreme. Yeah. You know, one way or the other. And it's, like, it's extreme or anti. You very rarely see narratives nowadays that are not corn pwned. That are or, or overt that are about faith filling people's lives. Yeah, it's like it's either the blind side or like fucking kingdom of heaven, and there's nothing in between. And yeah. I always like when there's characters who are like, yeah, I have faith, whatever, and they move on in their life. But then also, nice. Kira wears really tight pants, <laughs> which is essential to the, of their faith. Which is not a uh, negative in her culture. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, she's she's tough and badass. She knows how to fuck people up and stuff. And it's it's watch Deep Space Nine. You'll agree. Oh, uh, well, it's just funny because there's actually a bunch of Star Trek is not known for its strong female characters, yeah. or at least the first, like the Star Trek the original series, The Next Generation had shitty ass. I mean, they had a lot of shitty characters in general, much less female characters. But Deep Space Nine uh, writers went crazy. That there's a uh, there's Akira, there's Dax. Who's who's? She is essentially a guy with a vagina. That is almost literally what her character is, from a certain point of view. They did a really good job with female characters on that show. Um, there's some other female characters I can't remember. Oh, there's Benjamin Sisko, the main character. His girlfriend's like a space pirate. Well, not space pirate, but she's a smuggler for the bad guys, and he ends up getting her her ass arrested. And she's kind of she's not that interesting, but she's kind of cool. I don't know. It's a good show. It's more me ranting about Deep Space Nine than anyway, Kira Nerys, but anyway, I'm just saying. Who was on oh, the list? Oh, she has a dating. Oh no, it's so cute. Oh my god, he's going. He was all like, "I'm gruff," and she's like, "I'm gruff too." And they're like, "Let's be gruff together." And he turns into mists and rain on her, and she has an orgasm. Wow, how very Zeusy! I know. And nice. then she has a baby too. Uh, she has a baby that destroys Poseidon. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I, <laughs> sure. 
Uh, the person who was on my list, but I want to take off. Is... No, really? What'd they do to you? No, well, it's more like what Alan Moore did to her. So Alan oh, Moore, no. Alan Moore does not write good women. But no, Mina Murray from um... Dracula. <laughs> what? No, from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Dracula. I really, really. Dracula? I think I read that book at the right moment that I just really, really resonated with that character. How does she? Well, how do you think she's badly written in the first book that you read now? Well, no, or is no, it, no, no, she no. evolved into a shit. She evolved into a weird character. Really? So what I really like, yeah, it's oh, really unfortunate. No. Let me put it this way: in the most recent League of Extraordinary Gentlemen book, which I actually just threw away, I thought about it and I was like, the nineteen sixties one. Yeah, I was like, I can give this to somebody or donate it to the Goodwill, and I was like, no, I'm throwing it away, and I put it in the trash, and it was very cathartic. Actually, I put it in the recycling. Oh, okay. Um, but How Portland of <laughs> you? This is Portland. No, in the most recent oh. installment, she maybe got date raped by Voldemort. I swear to God. I swear to God. You want to read a book where a character that you like gets date raped by Voldemort? Where's Voldemort in the 1960s? Well, he's Tom Riddle. It's Tom Riddle. He's, it just, it's, he's, he's a young man. And he's at this concert, and she he he date rapes from Harry Potter. Yes, Tom Riddle. Tom Riddle. Have you the whole thing of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is that all literary canon is true? And I consistent. thought they were like no, it's Tom Riddle. What? It's what? Tom Riddle. What? I thought I know it's actually all, Tom. Riddle. I thought these were all characters from like like public domain. Well, see, that's the thing. It's getting harder, because he has to be really vague with who some of these characters are. Like, he has James Bond show up, but he can't call him James Bond. And, and like, they... he has Emma Peel show up, and he can't call her Emma Peel. Like, it's it's in the Tom most... Riddle? He can have Tom Riddle show up? Well, it's vague. He he said, he calls himself, he call, he's calling himself by another name, which makes sense in the context. Yeah, but he says he's a Marvel. Oh my Tom, god. Blah, blah, blah. No. Yeah. I'm glad to see Alan Moore likes Harry Potter enough to put Tom Riddle. <laughs> I don't I don't know. You know Harry Potter I like fiction. Harry Potter enough to have my female protagonist date raped, raped by, by yeah, the villain. Tom Marvel Riddle, whatever. No, anyway, no. So Mina Murray, I really liked her character. I thought she was really interesting. She's another yeah, one talked of those. Yeah, you about her. Yeah. Because like she is the main chick from Dracula. She's the, she's the, prota- she's ostensibly the protagonist from Harry Potter and Gentleman. The premise of League, and granted, I was young enough to Well, this is another thing about decency. What, what, what you like about, what you liked about Mina so much actually kind of ties into <laughs> what I was talking about. Like, to like, some degree. Yeah. But no, she, but she, it's not really because she basically says fuck all of you, all of you being society. Because yeah. in, in she, you know, because she, the the premise of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, like the, basically the 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 um, tagline for it was like you know, um, England must be protected by its monsters. So it's the league. The, and why she's a monster is interesting, aside the, from the fact that she's yeah. a vampire. Well, yeah, because it's like oh she's a Dracula. No, but it's more than that. Because like so she the the idea is that it's so it's um um uh, Captain Nemo who is the um you know the the other, like the alien other and to Dory. their culture. And um, there's, you know, obviously um, Hyde, who's just a big brute, and there's um, rapes Quartermain. The man. Stop it. <laughs> Quartermain. Rapes the Invisible Man. <sighs> yeah, that happens. That is um, fantastic. Uh, so there's Quartermain, who's an opium addict. Yeah. There's the Invisible Man, who's just an amoral asshole. And there's Mina Murray, who uh, uh, we learn eventually is a vampire. Or at least oh, I'm sorry, a, I forgot it's secret because she's got like a thingy around her neck. Well, and... the whole thing is that you know, so she was taken by Dracula. She, she Dracula taken. bit her. Well, no, and then she has when she takes off her scarf. Well, that's how her. Dracula ends. So she get she get bited. Well, there are also there are multiple bites. Oh, so, so she was like around a, for a while. It's not like she got bit and well, ran away. It, exactly. It's more. The oh, she takes her pants off. It looks like a spider went crazy <sighs> down there. Dear. Anyway, I can't. I forgot I said that. that. <laughs> I mean, he 
screaming arachnophobe. That's just an awful thing to say. Oh, uh, yes, I meant to say love no, the, stop the game it. of golf we just stop had. Stop it. Oh, sorry, go ahead. You're a terrible man. Oh, but no, God. really, it's that she is genuinely an independent woman. Like, that is why she is a monster. She is an independent woman. Yeah, that's all interesting. Her own. Yeah. And that's an interesting. And, like, her character's arc and her relationship with all the other characters, her relationship with Hyde. Is very interesting in the first League of Trudy Jones book. And I liked it so much. And I thought, man, that's a neat character to have. And a neat story to tell. And it got weirder in the second book. And then, so the premise of this, as I said to Bill, is like all literary canon is true and simultaneous. So the first ones are very engaging because it's like, oh, all the Victorian canon going on at the same time. That's cool. Like, the War of the Worlds and John Carter of Mars are both real simultaneously. Yeah. It's kind of cool. But, you know... It's not very good. And then Mina's, like, the the mo- the black dossier, the climax of it is a big, like, intercosmic orgy that Mina is involved in and all this other shit. And slowly, as the book goes on, it becomes clear that there's this, this, this juxtaposition where she is ultimately a Victorian moment woman with Victorian morals, and she's starting to come apart trying to be this free, liberated woman, both yeah. sexually and otherwise. But frankly, he hasn't hit that point soon enough. I've given up. <laughs> no, okay. I can't do it anymore. I'm done. Mina Murray, I liked you so much. You were so interesting until you weren't. It's almost like maybe I shouldn't put my stock for a female protagonist and Alan Moore. And a crazy witch man. <laughs> crazy witch man. Yeah. Uh, man, of all the stuff I have, nothing... Well, I guess Joe March was the only character who was actually created by a woman. And that was like half That's autobiography, a good point. too. Harriet Vane is written by a woman. Um, um, as is Harriet M. Welsh. So fuck you. <laughs> what's your next choice? Or is that your last choice? Well, I want to talk a little bit about ladies in video games. Oh, I'm breaking my own rule. I got one more choice created by two Jewish men. Ed McDonough. You do not know who Ed McDonough is. Did you know who Harriet Vane was? Go no, for it. No, Ed McDonough is Holly Hunter's character from Raising Arizona. <laughs> Ed McDonough is the shit. And again, another decent lady. She's a police lady. Police man. Police person. Who desires a baby after... Well, the fact that she wants to get married to Nicolas Cage does not speak well for her. <laughs> <laughs> but she gets married to Nick Cage. She decides she wants to have a baby. This is the one more, this is the most maternal character on my list where she's like, I need to have a baby. Hi, you go get me a baby. Have you ever seen The Raising Arizona? You tried to show it to me once. Oh, and I wasn't man. Oh, that's, I showed you the, like, the first 20 minutes. And, yeah. Oh, my God. She makes Hi go get her a baby. She does. I don't, I have nothing to say about Ed McDonough, so she's awesome. <laughs> that's okay. And, to be fair, any character played by Holly Hunter is going to be fantastic. Yeah. Like this or The Incredibles. This is true. Uh, stretchy big ass lady. <laughs> she got big ass in that movie. <laughs> Brad she's Bird's a, got, he's got a thing for asses. Just no, that's the very design true. Of asses. I'm just saying, she has a mom butt. Miss ass, ass lack. Oh, she didn't have to squeeze out. What? Well, no, 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 My point is that, that when you that, <laughs> Let's talk about, I want to talk about Lady Butt. Mom so, Butt. So, we did, I was going to say Commander Shepard. We talked no, about No, you're not even a fan about Mom Butt. What about Mom Butt? <laughs> she, last, last girl Mom's, having Mom Butt. Mom, if a mom is going to develop a trait, it's going to be a butt. It's gonna really? be an ass. Have you butt? never seen? Have you the, never all, seen an adult woman? All the mothers <laughs> I've seen have been slim in the buttocks area. <laughs> Maybe it's just a Texas thing. Maybe I've just seen a lot of I'm Texas mom ass. Um, I'm just teasing uh, Elastigirl for having a, a, a well uh, put together butt. I'm not saying she has a big ass. I learned recently that my wife, with very little prompting, will do a spoken word rendition of "Baby's Got That" at length. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Special lady. <laughs> 
pretty much. But man, uh, Egg Madonna, just go see Raising Arizona. I, like, that's... If you want to know why, just go watch that movie. She's just yeah, another lady who's decent, but also she what she knows what she wants. She don't want to have a kid. That's an interesting thing. What will a lady well, again, do? What Lex will a lady go through to have a kid? Even if it means well, she's not. Is she, does she know that he's going to steal a kid? I can't remember. Spoilers. I can't remember. But yeah, no, she sings real pretty. She sings in the Willow Garden. Has a fantastic, pretty song. Yeah, what's and interesting is that none of the characters on our list are mothers. I know, well, except for well, Ed McDonough. Technically, at the end of Raising Arizona, it's because her her womb is a rocky place in which seed can find no purchase, <laughs> which is explaining why she needs to go find out an external child. <laughs> Uh, so she doesn't even have the option to become a mother. Although it's suggested at the end of the film, she does find a way to actually have a child of her own. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, yeah, no, uh, Peggy Olsen. Peggy Olsen is a mom, but that's all secret. It's hard to tell. Th- garbage so hard to sell? Because being a mom is so... Kira Norris is technically kind of a mother. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> so is Joe Marsh, technically. Kind of a mother. If you How want to is she about, a mother? If you want to talk about adopted, like, adopted family, I'm just saying. Oh, Joe Marsh does eventually, like, can adopt, like, well, all I mean, like, students I mean, are kids. Exactly. I'm not, I'm talking no, about actual Kira, mothers. Okay, define this. Kira Norris is on a runabout little spaceship Dear thing Lord. with an actual pregnant lady. If there's an accident, the pregnant lady, her belly get hurt. They have to transport the baby in Akira, and so she can carry the baby to term so it can finish bacon in her oven because the original oven of the other lady got busted. Is that Does that make her a mother? The well, baby does erupt from her vagina. I'm not saying it's not that they're not mothers. It's just that the narrative isn't doesn't really allow them to be mothers. The lady who played uh, played Kira Norris, she got knocked up halfway <laughs> had to deal with it. So they they made up like let's have this other friend to get made. like yeah they they should have did what they did with Jillian Anderson where they just had her wear baggy clothing and only shoot her like from above. Well, show more now now in Gorge Cleavage a bit more often. Exactly. But that's about it anyway. But yeah, no, not much a way of mothers in this. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of depressing. I mean, I guess it says more about the kind of media that we're t- we tend to consume. Also, we hate children. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about ladies in video games, yeah. which we've talked about a little bit in the past. Um, but no, it's uh, when we were making this list, I was like, well, what are my favorite female characters in video games? And I mentioned, touched on Abigail and Bonnie from Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. We talked a little bit about Trip from Enslaved. Yeah. Um, and like I would say Farrah from um, Prince Purge of the Sands of Time. And Elena and Chloe. Yeah, Elena and Chloe. All... I still love, especially Elena. And I love Chloe. I do. Although they don't really, they, they don't well, really do that much in terms of like they're not that well-rounded characters from themselves, but they just it's... show up and they're not crappy female characters. <laughs> well, and also they're they're mo- they're not they're not the primary character. They're ultimately just secondary characters. Yeah, they're there to prompt up to push up. Well, and they they, they emotionally round out the protagonist. Yeah. For all intents and purposes. Like, I love Trip in Enslaved. She's great, and I like the choices that she makes, and it's very interesting. And, like, I like, I love Farah from Sands of Time for the same reason, is that, you know, it's, it's, I like having a, well, it's always interesting whenever you have a, a story that's about, in video games in particular, it's about two characters. And it's really more about the relationship and friction between them than um, external factors. Uh-huh, yeah. Like, that just leads to a more interesting and intimate narrative. Like, that's when, that's un- Uncharted at its best, and that's why Enslaved, I think, is ultimately su- such a successful game. Uh-huh. And that is by, fuck you, I'm curious about The Last of Us. No, it's just bad. We just haven't like, seen anything about Prince it. Prince of Persia was at its, uh, any Prince of Persia game is at its best when it's developing that relationship, and that... Uh, what I liked about The Sands of Time is that that was the first game that I had ever seen do that really well. Yeah. Where you have a secondary character who, you know, 
is commenting on what you do. Like Uncharted did this a little bit. Yeah. And sometimes calling you on the ridiculousness of what you're doing. Yeah. And uh, it's just an interesting element to add to a game. But I would love to be the, the chickadee and then have, you know... Like, Unslaved would be a very interesting game to play if the roles were reversed. Like, from a gameplay perspective, sort of like, um, it's kind of like Bioshock, where you're near, it's, it's interesting to have a narrative where your character does not have a full range of choice, yeah. because then it makes a lot of the, the necessary um, functions of gameplay make a lot more sense, where it's like, I can't go too far in this direction because I have this headgear that's going to... That's going to blow me up, exactly. yeah. Exactly. I have to perform these actions in Bioshock because I'm being told to perform these actions. Like, the gameplay, like, the, the necessary limitations of gameplay make a lot more sense in that sort of context, mm-hmm. but... Enslaved would have been a really neat game if you are this weaker, underpowered character. Well, that's what I'm kind of wondering if... You're, you, I mean, it sounds like Last of Us, you might be switching off between the two characters, yeah. so that it might be interesting where you're playing as, like... Although, I, I don't want Last of Us, because that this is the next game from Naughty Dog, who did Uncharted, and uh, the two main characters are uh, uh, Mustachioed Dude, Beard Dude, and You have such Ellen a Page. boner for this game already. Ellen Page, which... Ellen Page had better do something other than just puzzles. I want her to, like, she needs to get involved in combat, and the fact that she maybe not as robust as Beard Dude yeah. be a thing. I don't want her just pushing blocks. Yeah, because, like, we, In the ruins of Chicago or whatever. Yeah, because like, that, that's the easy thing. That's, you yeah, have, exactly. You yeah. have your partner character who assists you to accomplish things. Yeah. And, like, I haven't, I still haven't finished the Prince of Persia, the reboot that that Ubisoft had. Yeah. Um, the one, um, oh, really? That, Do you know how that, that ends? character's name is right. I don't want to know, because I'm going to finish it at some point. I know there's a big drama around it, and then there's a downloadable epilogue. I am going to finish that game some point. I feel bad, because there are people that I love and respect who love that game. And like I said... I think mechanically, it's a cool game. Just the Sands ending of time, is so fucking dumb. Sands of Time is my favorite video game of all time. But I got to a point in that game where I couldn't do it is? without... You're throwing that down? Sands of time, time is your favorite video game of all time. Probably. Okay. It was huh? most. It was one of the most. I'm important, not disputing. It's one of my po- most important. It was the most important video game to me, probably. Mine's Custer's Revenge, <laughs> which is antithetical to, to what we're talking about try right to now. Try to live your life around. Oh, I'm at Pitfall too. <laughs> no one shoots anyone with their penis in that game, Bill. I don't believe that. <laughs> you do kind of fall. Spoiler: the That's with what Custer's last revenge. Anyway, no, but yeah, it's it, it, like we were talking a little bit about um, Jesus. Glados. You could kind of throw Glados in that. Yeah, because that was like well, my list of different uh, interesting characters from different media. Well, of course, one of the things I wrote down was Shell and Glados from Portal. Mm-hmm. Shell is not that interesting because she never does anything in those games. You don't make a choice because she's just you know she's an empty shell for you to play as. She never makes any. She's choices. an empty shell. Well, which is kind of Commander Shepard technically is because Commander Shepard is all you. It's not like the, like Commander Shepard is interesting. In that's the, that's apples and oranges. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But it, Commander Shepard is interesting because it's gender neutral yes like you do everything that's male what's gender. notable that's it's not like the writing is special for commander shepherd female femme shep it's just beyond notable. the romantic relationship so, the commander shepherd uh female commander shepherd is more notable for the stuff they didn't take away than anything the special they do for that female version of that character yeah the fact they didn't neuter her just because she was a lady anyway no, but the shell shell is not terrible but she's not that interesting gladys is a little more interesting because yeah in portal 2 they suggest uh, spoilers that gladys was the secretary of cave johnson and that she got forced into becoming Glados. She got shoved into the big uh, computer that they were saving for Kay Johnson's uh, uh, for his soul or whatever the hell. And like, she's got a little more interesting backstory in this. And like, there's always been the suggestion that Shell is Glados's daughter. Yeah, which which is I, that's mostly, not canon. That's that's, but that's people projecting into it. I but there's room for it too. It seems like not much. Valve kind of left a little bit of a uh-huh. Shell is yeah. Glados Glados's baby shaped uh-huh. hole in the narrative. Sure. 
You, sure they I'm did. just saying. Uh-huh. Yeah. And at the rate they come out with the games, it'll take them four years to come out with, like, another, like, episode or add-on to show Portal 2, which can negate that. So, <laughs> for the next, yeah. But glad, I'm glad it's kind of interesting. Jade it's from, like, yeah. Most, most... Uh, I guess Jade yeah. from... Yeah, I haven't played really a lot of Beyond Good and Evil, but her character is allowed to be an active... Um, yeah, she's fighting and stuff like that. Yeah. And most other... Uh, Game makers would have made that character a male. You would have played the pig. Uh, Impa. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, Skyward Sword is actually one of my favorite characters from that is Impa. Who, mm-hmm. Impa has been a character throughout all the Zelda games. She's she's usually the old lady who takes care of Zelda. And once Zelda's kidnapped, always tells you what's going on. Like, oh, Zelda got kidnapped. You have to go save her. The Triforce is there. Go go grab the Triforce. Impa in this, uh, man, kind of spoilers for Skyward Sword. You see Impa as a young lady. A uh, super badass lady who's kind of prote- uh, trying to protect Zelda as she's being chased uh, through time, space and time by bad guys. And she's just... For Nintendo, for a Japanese company like Nintendo, that was kind of an interesting character. No, actually, I mean, Japanese games. No, that's, that's, I'm, I'm painting with broad strokes there. Uh, not all female characters in Japanese games are terrible. But for Unless Nintendo. It's a fantasy game. I know, yeah. Uh, but for Nintendo input was kind of cool. Um, well, the, the boss from Metal Gear Solid 3, what did you think of her? Did you play that one? No. Oh, okay. The only Metal Gear Solid game I played is 4. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you played the other ones. No. Oh, okay. Well then, <laughs> like balls. shut you down. Boom. No, no my, I'm my, to my lady friend did, but I did not. Any well, it's interesting that we're focusing on games because movies and TV have their own interesting female characters. It's hard to find harder to find good female characters in games, comic books. It's funny because I tried to come up with interesting comic book female characters, and like somebody online suggested Death from Sandman, which is true. But Death is, yeah, she's not bad, but she's, I don't know. Like, when I think of compelling, like, interesting... Yeah, compelling, yeah. Like, pretty much any female character from Finder... Like, Finder is a pretty good exception to this list. Because, um, uh, Finder... Mostly because Carlos Speed McNeil is writing from the point of view of a woman and a mother. There are a lot of really interesting female characters from a lot of different backgrounds and perspectives. Yeah. Like, um, I really like the mom character. Um, I can't remember her name now. Um, the mother, um... Of, um, the mother of the clan that's... Yeah, oh, yeah, God. I color those books for Dark Horse, and I can't remember the character's name she's, either. I like her character because yeah. she's so complex and broken, mm-hmm. and we only really get these glimpses of her and who she is, and but she has such a huge impact on the lives of her children. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting. Like, when we were talking about where is there a story that involves a mother being a mother, and that's the only one I could think of. But even yeah. then, that's... And what's unique about that is that she has her own unique arc. Because usually, in when you have a story that's about a mother and children, Children, the mother's arc is only in, important in as much as it affects the children. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's never the mother's own arc. No. Nope. Oh, one of my favorite exceptions to this, and I was so... It speaks to um, how... Kanga and Rue. <laughs> there are these really mediocre young adult novels called, like, um, Hungry, The Hungry City Chronicles or something like that. Yeah. They're they, they, sci-fi books, um, and they're about these, it's like this post-apocalyptic sort of thing where these cities are mobile and they prey upon each other and other stuff. It's oh like, yeah, it's you're like, the one who told me about this. I irrationally like them. I still, there's a new one out. I, not It's new by a couple of years and I still haven't read it yet. <laughs> but there's a mother character in that 
who abandons her child because she's basically like, I'm tired of living my life for you and putting my life on That's hold. interesting. I'm going to do my, uh, fuck, you're uh, good enough. You can take care of yourself. Fuck you. I'm doing my own I thing. I mean, that happens all the time in, like, Arkansas. <laughs> it, well, no. I mean, but... in real life, like, mothers in, in narrative, for the most part, they're either broken in a way that just informs the child's experience. Yeah. Or they're just, like, um, unendingly giving and caring. They're Wendy Darlings. Like, yeah. yeah. And it's just, there's not a lot of room for any sort of nuanced narrative for the moms. Like, that's why I rationally liked Gilmore Girls so much, is the, the story. Gilmore Girls is good. Yeah. Fuck everyone. And it's got a fat lady from Brian's Maids. Which, fucking A. That, that's a point in, 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 in Gilmore Girls, man, I, yo, I need to watch it again. That's what no, show we're creating is, No, exactly. The thing is that you and I are remembering all the good parts of Gilmore Girls yeah. that weren't the bullshit soap opera drama. Yeah. That's the problem that oh, we're having. Oh, we should, just because we're having this confirmation, I just I should just assume uh, we should also just mention Buffy just because people yell at us Buffy. if we don't. Oh, someone brought up Fred from Angel, and now I'm sad. Thanks. I haven't seen so much. I know what happens Thanks. to Fred. I haven't seen too many episodes now with I'm sad. Fred. And and I know fucking my Angel favorite Fred gets fucked up. My favorite character on Buffy is actually um um who's played by um Anya. Anya's my favorite female character. <laughs> end of our Buffy part of this conversation. <laughs> I, I know that because we, we both dog on Buffy now because we used to both used to really dig Buffy but it has not aged that well and both of our recent attempts you to try to get into Buffy again has kind of... I No, Buffy is one of those things it, it, I can't... No, 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 that I can't ingest because of the time that I ingested it. I see, I'll try to go back into it. It's, 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 you can still watch it but like from a professional point of view it's a little r- rickety and Joss Whedon... That's true of any television from the 90s. I know! Except for Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, Buffy, I still love Buffy. Buffy's good. Buffy's great. Willow, Buffy's important. Anya's you know what, one of the interesting things about Angel was uh, Cordelia, how they kind of like turned her Cordelia into Cordelia was great. They actually made her into a person. Yeah, from a punching bag to a person. That Who was knew? really cool. Yeah. yeah. She's actually ends up being more interesting than Buffy ever actually kind of yeah. turned it out. This is true. Yeah, Buffy, like, Buffy. Yeah. Man, especially Are you having a total recall of Buffy? God, I forgot <laughs> how she's just like, oh, like, I'm whiny and protective of, of what's the little sister's name? Dawn. Dawn. Mm. Harriet Willow turns into a drug addict. Yeah. Oh, God, fuck Buffy, man. <laughs> my, the mom on Buffy was cool. Ma- the mom on Buffy was interesting. Yeah, they tried to give her, but they, tra- you know what? God bless Joss Whedon. And then she falls He did try to give her layers. She goes seepies. He tried to give her a little bit of a life on her own. She, she, and then he killed. She, she, she no wake up. She no wake up. She no say it. Um, yeah. We have to joke about the bu- episode where her mother dies because that is one of the, the most affecting episodes of television. Was, yeah, Buffy's man, Buffy's good. Buffy's I don't want good. Like, it's just easy to make Buffy, fun of. Buffy is better that. than the X Files, and if I can think fondly of the X Files, despite all its yeah, bullshit, I can think fondly of Buffy. Oh man! But I could never watch Buffy again. That's how I feel about Battlestar Galactica. These are things. Oh, shows Battlestar that were good. shit its pants at the speed of light. <laughs> Battles. These are television shows that were good and important to me, and I'm glad I had them in my life. But I never will engage with them again. Uh, we have a couple... Well, I'm going to bring up... Uh, we have two emails from people real quick. We're in there. We're, we're wrapping up the show, but this... Wait. God damn. I got locked out of email. Say something interesting. Something interesting. Uh, who's your favorite uh, Buffy character? So here's my fantasy. So um, BBC um, commissions a series starring Francis O'Connor um, playing adult Hermione Granger solving crimes in the Ministry of Magic. Basically, imagine it's kind of um, policey procedurally, but with, uh, you know, Hermione Granger. Okay. Therefore, it's more interesting. It could be Neville Longbottom and Hermione Granger. I think that Neville doesn't 
Oh man, I I, I like how people are upset that Neville uh, did not get married to Luna Lovegood. Yeah, which makes like how do you expect just because they were like I like that he gets married to a Muggle because you know what that means? Yeah, Neville Longbottom has a life outside of Hogwarts. I know, thank fucking Christ. He is the one who he gets allowed. to be the magical badass. He gets yes, Julia. Everybody is magic. Woo! Yes. Yeah. No, 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 no. Beyond that, it's like he's the one who's like, you know what? He leaves school and then he lives a life beyond it's also, school. It's also depressing to think everyone w- hopes that like their lives are cast from the moment they're in high, like college, yeah, like high exactly. school, and that like their moments freeze from the twenty years be- between the end of the last Harry Neville Potter Neville Longbottom book to, like, is an evolved adult. Uh, you know that Ron Weasley is telling his children about Weasley as our king, and yeah. I, I say that from a place of love of Ron Weasley. I like the one thought. of the best parts of any of the books. Is that, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know. and you know, it's the most important part of his life. Oh, God. So, okay, so, yeah, we have uh, uh, two emails, one from Sean Baca, who was the instigator of this whole uh, episode. Uh, he, when we asked uh, people for feedback about uh, their picks for different uh, good female characters, uh, from books, he picks Arya Stark from uh, Song of Ice and Fire. Oh, Arya. You okay. would know more about that, because I know Arya from more from the show. Yes, I would add Arya to my list, but George R. R. Martin doesn't know how to evolve a character. <laughs> really? Does she just stuck out in the woods forever with no, the no, Nymphadora? She, because, um, no, I should, he doesn't know, it's not that he doesn't know how to uh, evolve a oh, character. Man, it's disappointing that, to he hear. Is, he is, he's very much so of the school of adult children, because Arya is still is a little baby, and now, um, spoilers, she is uh, training to be a killer assassin. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, wait, I'm really the, curious as fuck to see what happens. Did her teacher start. get killed? Yeah. Oh man. Like first thing. Uh, Sean also su- uh, suggests Granny Weatherswax and the witches from yes, Discworld. This is actually true. Dead fucking on. Granny um, Weatherwax. Weatherwax. Granny Weatherwax is a really great character in in the Discworld books. Um, Terry Pratchett actually has a lot of good female characters, even though they all kind of fall into the same archetypes. So, I mean, a lot of these characters fall in the same archetypes. But he very, he's very good about having a really awesome primary or secondary female character who's uh-huh. very active. Yeah, like, he has very few passive female characters. They're all very strong Man, and good. So that yeah. is one constant. You can be guaranteed that in almost every single Terry Pratchett book. Even if they're all the primary characters are men, there is going to be a really cool female character. Very cool. Granny Wear the Wax is great. She is great. Uh, Sean recommends Death from Sandman. Uh, he uh, specifically highlights the sound of her wings as one of the standout stories in the Sandman run, which it is. That's uh, when Death first shows up. Mm-hmm. She quotes Mary Poppins. It's very cute. But yeah, again, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Death is definitely the coolest member of the Endless. But, yeah, I'd have to go back and re, re- I'm not, I'm not saying uh, Sean's wrong. It's just I need to go back. The characters in general in Sandman are all just, like, that's Neil Gaiman's whole shtick, is he writes ideas better than he writes characters. That's why Sandman was so great, because the char- ideas were the characters. But, uh, anyway, Sean Bach is suggests for games, Dragon Age, Mass Effect... Man, Dragon Age, I know, see, the thing is, people shit on Dragon Age 2, I talked about this, but it has some of the, I really love Isabella and Aveline. Yeah. They're great characters. Aveline, excuse me, is one of my favorite female characters in a video game. I need to play those. She's really great. You lent me the first uh, the first game, and then you forgot you lent it to me, and you, you bought a whole new copy for I did. yourself. <laughs> but no, no, Dra- Aveline is, is I, no, she is, is actually my favorite two, female two characters? characters. Yes. Okay. Dra- Aveline, no, that's it. She's my number one female character in gaming. I really mm-hmm. like her arc, because she's just a very sweet and earnest cop. Aww. That's basically all she is. She's a good lady trying to do good. She doesn't know how to woo. It's great. I love her. Uh, Sean also picks out Shell and Alex Vance. 
Uh, Alex Vance always gets uh, propped up as like, pretty much the first character, female character in games people prop up. She's interesting, but she is kind of like a character created just to make the, the, the main, the gamer, the main protagonist feel kind of like, go, Gordon Freeman, you're so awesome. Yeah, you feel Which can be involved. said... You can say that about all gaming characters, but I do like Alex Vance. She's great, but... Well, and then does she fall in that category with Trip and Elena? Oh, yeah, no, she is there just to round out your experience. She's not yeah. really that interesting of it. She's kind of cool by herself, but, like... Well, I mean, that's not an invalid character to play. Yeah. But it's a is, valid role in an area. She has more back... I would love to have a game playing as her. You can, yeah. like, especially she's lived in this fucked up world that's been taken over by aliens and human breeding is no longer Why allowed and stuff like that. Why haven't nerds done that? Why haven't the nerds, nerds done that? They'd rather, they'd rather look, have Alex in front of you talking to you, telling you how cool you are, than being Alex telling... Matt, you know what they should do? is Someone should remake Half-Life 2. As from a the dating sim? No, from, from the perspective of Alex. Yeah. Where you're just like choosing all the dialogue options to tell Gordon Freeman <laughs> how cool he is. Oh, Gordon, you're so awesome. You're so nice. Here, I'll go, I'll go snipe while you do the fun, actual cool stuff. <laughs> um, but I love her, but yeah, she, as the function in the game, she's a little... She gets a little rickety sometimes. I, I would love, yeah, I would love, yeah, she should be the main character, fuck that shit. Faith from Mirror's Edge, she's cool, parkour. I never played Mirror's Edge, I can't be Oh, you never played Mirror's Edge? Oh, that's right, because you would throw like, up. Well, I, I have a little bit of, not. Na- I have a little bit of nausea and dizziness in me, yeah. and so it is not for me. Uh, he also mentioned Samus from Metroid, it's a shame they went uh, the zero, zero suit route with the, the Metroid games, where she's just got the skin-tight blues outfit, where her vaginal lips are flying all over the place and stuff like that. <laughs> And on TV, he uh, he mentions Irene Adler, the woman from Sherlock, which I'm assuming that means they bring in Irene into the TV show. All I, I must know, not have seen that yet. all I know is that um, some people on my Twitter feed were furious about her treatment in the Sherlock BBC, BBC really? show. It was like our, our dear friend Brendan Adkins pointed out that he lives in a world where he prefers Irene Adler's p- depiction in a Guy Ritchie movie <laughs> to Stephen Moffat's. Stephen Moffat has weird issues with women in general. Apparently, though. she's a dominatrix. What? Apparently, I don't know. I That's a take it. on it. Yeah. So she's like super rumor song. But apparently, it's a weird approach to being a dominatrix. Uh, what's like? Well, it's like the pull quote. I, I favorited it because I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But he linked an article. It's like something along the lines of um, like um, domi- the dominatrix is appear is pre- depicted as um, replacing um, sex with wait replacing power with sex when really a dominatrix replaces sex with power. Yeah. You can see that. Yeah. I'm not a dominatrix, so I don't know how that works. It's easy to get confused when sex is involved. It's all Mm -hmm. boils down to. And uh, he also mentions Katara and Toph from Avatar The Last Airbender. The female characters on Avatar are amazing. Yeah. That's why I'm really excited about Korra. Yeah. Did you see, like, someone, like, there was a clip from an actual, one of the big fights from uh, Korra came out, and it's totally just, like, Cowboy Bebop, her just kicking the shit out of people. Oh, man. There was a guy through a plate glass window into a shop. Here's the thing. She kicks the fuck, man! I tried to put characters on my list that are very intelligent and smart, and who I really would like to genuinely have a beer with, but at the end of the day, really, I do, at a base level, one of the reasons why I'm so pumped about Haywire is that I do get a genuine delight from women just being fucking... You keep using the word badass. I've been counting in my head how many times you said badass. But really, at the end, just like being tough as balls and beating the shit out of people. That is why I liked Death Proof so much. Beating the shit out of men specifically? Well, well, I mean, usually, because you... I can't think of very many movies where it's a woman punching the shit out of I don't know. I'm thinking Haywire, she should beat up uh, preschools. Kids. (laughs) (laughs) Just, imagine how how much fun she can get It's like the climax of Step Brothers where (laughs) they 
beat up all the kids yeah. in the room. Yeah, she's just breaking bones and breaking necks. Yeah. This is why, at the end of the day, I do love Quentin Tarantino because Quentin Tarantino also has a boner for this. This is why Kill Bill. Oh is yeah, great. no, he gets this off on why... saying a woman hurt a man. This is why. Well, beyond that, I mean, it's just because there is a li- fine line between exploit exploitation and female empowerment, and like Joss Whedon yeah. fucks Josh with this all Whedon, the time. How do, and he gets a little too like. Well, I mean, you can get into the semantics of it, but, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, there is, like, it's so fucking engaged. Like, I mean, it's so satisfying for me to see that. And that is why I cannot speak badly of Haywire. That is why I cannot speak badly of Hannah. Have you seen Haywire? Is Not that yet. out yet? Oh, okay. Not yet. It's gonna be awful, but yeah, I don't care because bad. it was... I'm not gonna say it. <sighs> it was the born identity with a woman. That's not an invalid thing! Jesus Christ! <laughs> Sean Baca also, all my friends. Sean Baca also mentions the last girl from The Incredibles. Who is great. Yeah. She's a great mom character, actually. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. There's one who, yeah. and like the mom from The Iron Giant to a lesser degree oh, in the same yeah. way. Because, the you only know, character played by What's-Her-Face I can tolerate. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. yeah. I can see why Brad Pitt broke up with her. <laughs> uh, Daniel Fight from My Man in Japan, he says, he mentions Ripley. Of course. Uh, Major Kira. <laughs> Alex Roy Voss from uh, Internal Darkness, the Silicon Knights game for the GameCube. Hmm, which I, I've never played. I've played that, but I barely remember anything about that. Uh, she's the lead character out of a whole ensemble bunch of characters. He also mentioned Samus, uh, but he all, then again he also mentions it's, it's kind of a cheat because uh, she does not have that much character, but she is still a badass. Uh, he mentions, just in terms of TV stuff, uh, Doctor Who... Uh, back in the Tom Baker's days, the fourth Doctor, you know, the guy with the long scarf, uh, used to run around with a Time Lord named Romana, and they used to go on a crazy adventures, and she would call him on, out on his bullshit, which nice. was always fun to see. And he talks about, uh, uh, he hopes that whoever replaces Amy Pond on the next season of Doctor Who is not boinking like Matt Smith or anything like that. <laughs> uh, well, actually, of all the uh, recent companions on Doctor Who, the best companion so far, uh, this is scientifically proven, is Donna. Who is this uh, slightly? You know, she's Catherine Tate. She's a British comedian, and Donna. Why is she Donna? Donna is a slightly overweight uh, secretary from uh, like a secretary pool in Chiswick. She's the best one because she's the only companion in all of Doctor Who who's not in love with the Doctor. Oh, that's got to be nice. And she's with like the tenth Doctor, and she's always like making fun of how stupid he is, <laughs> and like how like oh you're so quirky, you think you're so brilliant. I hate you. I've it's been thinking great. about this, and I think the only way that you could really get me into Doctor Who is if, and I can't remember how to say her name, and I apologize. No, that's is why. if Tamson Grieg plays the next Doctor? Who's Dan- Tamson Grieg? I can't remember. I don't know if that's I'll how you Wikipedia, say her name. but she's um no she's a female she's a she's a British comedian sort of character. She was on Black Books. Oh, really? And she's just kind of... Is she the... She kind of has a long face. I know you're talking yeah. about! Yeah! Oh, my she's God. kind of a great no-nonsense <laughs> kind of person, and I would love to see her... I would love to... Yeah. I, and I had this really... Randomly, I had this really vivid, clear vision <laughs> of her very... smoking a pipe yeah. <laughs> being Doctor Who, and oh I was like, my God. That's, that would be what I would want. Oh, God. Okay, we have a couple. We actually have a million tweets because I uh, put out on Twitter the call for people for feedback about uh, stuff. and uh, People don't feel strongly about this sort of thing. A friend of ours retweeted that to a whole bunch of people we don't know, so most of the Twitter feedback we have is just random names of stuff. I don't know what it is. And so I'm just trying to find anything from anyone we know. Uh, 
I'm going to tune out all of your feedback. No, no, no. From people I know who are friendly with the podcast. Uh, someone mentioned, uh, Max Power uh, mentioned Cersei Lannister and Daenerys Targaryen. Okay, Cersei is an f- interesting character. Cersei she is. Because she's, she's a cool, she's a cool mom, actually. I do like her character and her arc in the books just because she's a terrible person. Yeah. And she is so terrible. She's a real witchy poo. Like, she's just awful. And she's unapologetically awful. And if you are not what, on you her told side. you about her? She sounds like, she sounds crazy. And she's also crazy. Yeah. And totally in a believable way. I have met people who are not terribly dissimilar to her. And Daenerys is a great, is a great character, despite the fact that Calamity John can't get over that he's no one told her. 13 year old girl. That is a thing to work past. But, yeah. regardless, um, no, it's like her, her arc and her growing into the, who, who she, the role she has to fill is really interesting story to follow. She's so badass. She breastfeeds a reptile. <laughs> No, it's like so sweet that even non-mammals are like, give me some of that. Both of their arcs are kind of interesting because they are women who are tr- struggling with power in a men's world. Yeah. And that's... That's not quite... That's kind of period. It's not a period that ever happened, but yeah. But, you know, and it's still... They're having to cope with that. And the way they both cope with it is very interesting. So. Probably like wrecking everything around them. Well, they both do, to be fair. Um, E89 Tweet says, my criteria, well characterized, no shell, which means no shell, uniquely female, so no femship. Isn't uh, defined by sexuality, boobs, less than double D. That's his criteria for a hot, badass female lady. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... I know, I, I, boobs are fine, I'm fine with. I'm just saying as long as she tapes them down or something like that before, you know, getting into a fight or something like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Indigo Kali uh, mentioned Suki Stackhouse from True, mm-hmm. True, True Blood. Blood. Never seen the show, never read the books. Uh, Polgara the Sorceress? And Miss Marple. Oh, Miss Marple is great. Really, mystery fiction has a lot of great female characters because yeah, it's like kinda. any, any, any. You know, it's because then you you just you just have to be smart. Who was the lady who kind of really helped popularize the mystery genre? Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie. She was once chased by a giant wasp alien monster, and the Doctor and Donna had to help her out. <laughs> that is an episode of Doctor Who. Thank you, Bill. Uh, he also, he amends his tweet by saying, uh, maybe not Suki Stackhouse, the Hunger Games girl, though. And I can't think of her name. Also, Arya Stark. Arya Stark is interesting in that she doesn't have... We got a lot of votes for Arya Stark. Arya Stark is a good character, and I I hate to poo-poo on her. It's just that I'm not interested with where her character is going. It sounds like, if, if, it sounds like he doesn't know how to write that character, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not that he doesn't. I just don't understand the endgame of this arc. No one honestly doesn't understand his endgame for anything right now. That's true. But you can say that about A lot of his characters, you can see that these are just sad people pursuing their own ruin. That's really how you can sum up everyone. She could find a way, I don't know, she she could be on a trajectory not... She has abandoned everything. I mean, because she's young enough that who is she? Like, she, she doesn't, doesn't really she have... She reclaim Nymeria, though, right? Her dog, her wolf, her darwolf. No, I think Nymeria... She sets Nymeria free. Yes, she does. And Nymeria... The implication is Nymeria's that Nymeria... Nymeria's never come back? Well, Nymeria's in the books. The implication is that Nymeria is still present, but Nymeria is not with Arya. Okay. But no, Arya... I know they can do the thing where they see through each... Not... Well, no, she can't with Nymeria. That's... <gasps> Anyway, no, but no, the whole thing with Arya is that she's kind of abandoning everything who she was and and, and who she is to, so that she can survive. And she's pursuing this other path, and I don't really feel like I know who she is. And that's kind of interesting because she doesn't know who she is either because she's a kid. Ubisoft needs email George R. R. Martin say, you know what, we don't know what you're doing with this Arya Stark thing. If you just let us license the Game of Thrones thing so we can make an Arya Stark Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> that's essentially we'll, what we'll they're doing. Take care. 
It, whenever it mentions Arya Stark in the rest of the books, you just have a footnote, see, see Assassin's Creed game made by Ubisoft. You know. Yeah. I just, I don't know where he's going with this. No. That's understandable. I'm interested, but of course it's going to be, you know, wind rustling through a graveyard, so why am I bothering to be invested? Yeah. E89 tweets also suggest that Miyazaki does women well. Such he brave does. girls. He actually, you know, I wasn't, I hadn't really thought about that, but, but between uh, the uh, uh, lady from Nausicaa yeah. and Prince Mononoke. I mean, and... even when you look at Ponyo, I mean, honestly, yeah. and like, um, and uh, my neighbor Totoro, his, his female characters are always Spirited like, away. I mean, yeah. that chick's trying to keep her parents from being pigs and eaten. Because um, they are girls. He tends to choose women more often than anything else. Yeah. Like, that, that's, like, even aside from the quality of the characters, the fact that he's, he tends to default to women so often, that's really kind of cool. Uh, John Public also mentioned Buffy is great, and of course, my favorite is Veronica Mars. Man, Veronica Mars! I'm, I'm crossing out everyone else on this list. <laughs> everyone else is gone. Oh, How did I Assassin's forget Creed. Veronica yeah. Mars? Um, Veronica Mars is the shit. Her character is great. She's played so well by Kirsten Bell. Yeah, Kirsten I wrote it Bell. very large on this page. She's another character who's very interesting and, and is a young woman. <laughs> figure out who she is. I did. Oh Fuck my god. She's, she's no longer has a top 10 list. Can it's I just can Veronica I Mars? Out and just replace Mary Poppins? Veronica Mars is great because she's, 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 she's strong and she has a strong sense of self, but yeah. she's still kind of lost and she struggles. And her dad is one of the aliens from Galaxy Quest. <laughs> I need. I've only seen like the first season and a half of that show. I need to watch. That's the rest. all you really need to. I haven't seen. I mean, I got the three. gist of the show, but I yeah, I never saw it. Got to see. Did it actually have an ending, or did it just kind of stop? I, by my understanding, they kind of had to wrap it up real quick. At the end, oh, so like things. yeah, they ended with five one shots, which is kind of. That's uh, why I've not watched these. I'm gonna three. look for a couple one or two. Yeah, uh, Veronica Mars, man. How did I not add to my list? I'm sorry, Veronica. Man, I'm so I'm I'm glad that they didn't make another because because what was going to go next was was going to be Veronica at the FBI Academy. Yeah, was it going to be the movie or something? I don't know. Well, they filmed they, like they filmed the test of it. They got oh, even really? that far. You can find the test of it oh, online, okay. and it's so different. It's it never would have worked. But I love that character. That character is a great character. I, I like Kirsten Bell too. Just even aside from that character, yeah. I, she's she's yeah. Um, Rachel Edden says Vi Washarski. That's a book character? I know that's a terrible movie from 20 years ago. Arya Stark, Meg Murray, Vesper Holly, Aaron, Amethyst, Taylor Greer. Oh, that reminds me. Uh, Aaron's son from Farscape, as played by Chloe Frazier. Yes! <laughs> She's great. One of the best parts of Farscape. That stupid Muppet show, which I never thought I'd like, actually has a good... Uh, and I'm trying to think of anything else. Lord of the Rings is full of strong female characters, kind of. Yeah. Lord of the Rings is stupid. Ah, no, I shouldn't Here, say that Here, here's what was on my list. His Girl Friday. His Girl Friday? Is that, wait, is that on my screen? She's, probably not. Um, uh, I have never, I think His Girl Friday is so interesting, though. That character is so great. But I think about it, and, like, her, it was, His Girl Friday, if you have not seen it, it is available, public domain. You can download it from archive.org. It is great. It is about an awesome lady journalist. Um... And but it, what I think is interesting and why that character is so cool is that I've never seen it, but it's actually an adaptation of a play that had also been made into movies, um, where it's about two men, and they just change it to be about a man and a woman. Oh, really? So like it's you know it's interesting to see that happen. Huh. Um, Kelly Gumont mentions Rosalind. By whether or not he means Laura Rosalind from Battlestar Galactica or Rosalind from uh, Northern <sighs> Exposure, I'm not quite sure. Or you know Shakespeare. Is that a character in Shakespeare? Yes. What's Rosalind from? I can't remember 
his dark titties. I'm really bad. <laughs> I dropped out of college. Bill. The only reason he says Rosalind, Miss Piggy, Book Arwen, Rosalind, Hermione Granger, Princess Leia, Rosalind. He likes Rosalind. Kelly Gamont. Man, Princess TV. Leia. Princess Leia is great. She does get naked. I still get mad about when I think about Amidala. Man, what a waste. Yeah. Um, Sean Baca, Arya Stark, Bran of Tarth from Game of Thrones. Oh man, Bran! Bran is a neat character because she's I just sad wreck. I haven't gotten to that part of the books where she shows up, but I've seen the fan art and stuff. She sounds interesting. Her character is neat because she's weirdly shallow, but that shallowness makes her interesting. Yeah. Like, her strength and shallowness and um, vulnerability are such an, such at weird odds. She's such a delicate character. And the way, her relationship, the way it develops with um, um, Jamie oh, is okay. really neat. Susan Death and the Witches from Discworld. Is that the same ones we talked about before? Yeah. Oh, okay. The the um uh, Susan is Death's granddaughter, and uh, That's um, she's a great character. Yeah, man, I how did I forget Discworld? Discworld has so many great ladies in it. Uh, Katie Lane suggests Ramona. Yeah. Uh, the first badass female character I ever remember reading. Also, Laurie Anastasia's Krupnik books. The best L- Lowry's Anastasia Krupnik. I have no idea what that is. Um, Katie, I agree though. Uh, Rachel, B- I don't know. Uh, Brendan Atkins says Molly from Neuromancer, Nix from God's War, Infidel by Cameron Hurley, Catherine from Privilege of the Sword, Ellen Kushner. All over my head. Uh, Trixie Biltmore says Little Little Mai from the Moomin books, Harriet M. Welsh from Harriet the Spy. Yeah, that is right. That is why we are bros. What's her name from the Hunger Games? Man, the Hunger Games. What's up with that? I have heard nothing but bad things about the Hunger Games. We are another people... Warshawski. It's almost like people like books, Bill. Just oh, you have that. Doing too much towards books. <laughs> <laughs> these these people aren't familiar with our podcast. What is this? I don't understand. What are you talking about? Bill doesn't read anything longer than a Nintendo manual. <laughs> okay, I think this may be the last uh, tweet uh, uh, from Maxwell Motley. Sabriel, maybe. Yeah. Sabriel. Are you? Nah. Arya Stark. Arya Stark getting a lot of love. Arya Stark. She is an interesting character. I genuinely, I'm genuinely deadly serious. All of you guys who feel really strongly about Arya Stark, howdy at boyhowdy.org. Email me and tell me why. I find her character interesting. I don't find her the most engaging character in those books. Or female character, even. Like, all of, I I like her, but. The whore that Tyrion talks to. I like her a lot. (laughs) There's a scene where he talks to a whore, and I remember that being. There are a couple of scenes that he has a lady. Oh, yeah, maybe that's what I'm talking about. I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, man, you don't realize I could sound like Tom Haverford if I kind of screwed up my voice. Oh, my God, you could sound like Tom Haverford. Kill yourself. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that was us talking about ladies <laughs> randomly for an hour. I tried to rein it in. How did that work? What? Not so How well. long did you want to make this? An hour and 15 I was minutes? An hour and 15 minutes. That was my goal. To Jeez be fair, Christ. we spent half an hour just talking about bullshit. So we, we actually did. over by 15 minutes. No. Nope. 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 We're never going to have a whole podcast. Nope. Unless we're going to be talking our favorite, like, puppets I and Disney to. movies. <laughs> I tried, folks. I'm sorry. Thank you for sticking with us. Bill hates everything. I like many things. We're shallow. We only like women that are good. Yeah. We don't like evil women. Maleficent scares Dear Veronica me. Mars, I'm sorry I left you out. There's no, yeah, no evil women. We're not turned on by... Other people get turned on by evil women and crush on your balls. 
punch you in the titty. I am a genuine... No, here's the thing. I have a reason for this. I am a... I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I think I've talked about this in podcasts. I like characters that the storyteller wants me to like. Yeah. And I boo at characters the storyteller tells me to boo You're not at. jerking off secretly while going boo. No, I am always going to be the person who likes the heroes and, and falls in love with the love interest and roots for the sidekicks and hates them. Oh, we should talk about one of the most hated female characters. We can talk about... That's another podcast. <laughs> Women who... like, Or at least characters we could have liked even... if they didn't get biffed at the last minute, like Ali Sheedy in The Breakfast Club. We could have talked about that. Uh, I always want to talk about this The Breakfast Club. This is the Club. first of four two-hour-long podcasts <laughs> about women in fiction. All right, friends, this is, as always, the Boy Howdy Podcast. We are at Boy Howdy Podcast on the Twitters. We're boyhowdy.org. Um, you know you. Annie about stuff? <laughs> Seriously, Arya Stark. Get, send me your defenses of Arya Stark. Not, like I said, I don't think she's a bad character. Why are you guys so compelled by her? I think she's neat. But I, she I wonder, is... I wonder also, uh, tell Annie whether or not you're uh, responding from her uh, in the show or in the books. Because that sounds like there's a difference there. Maybe. Uh, maybe that's it. Maybe uh, my difference is I was all... I really loved her character. And the more... I mean, this is just true of many of the characters. I have, the more the books go on, the more I'm less... I mean, I'm just... I feel very less connected to her. Yeah. And maybe that's it. Exactly. Maybe I'm being a fool. Maybe all are just if, saying... I wonder if any people have actually just seen the show and projecting from what they've seen on the show. Because in the show, she's interesting. They're setting her up to oh, I'm not. I don't think she's not interesting. It's I'm just saying... in the long run, oh. I, the more the more she beco- becomes... A killer assassin. Yeah, which is sucks because that should be when she's getting super interesting. Basically, I want the montage to happen, and I want to find out about her after she becomes badass assassin. Yeah, she's got to have. Yeah, she, her whole life can't be just killing, 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 and then she dies. Well, There's got to be something, especially when you know all the the way her father taught her to treat death, and the way this philosophy what towards death to is very different. Oh, that's right. <laughs> All right, friends, thank you for listening to this tediousness again. We love you. Take care and talk to you next week. We'll see you next week. Jackie is joining the Navy. Everyone thinks she's lazy. The memories must be hazy. She used to dress up like a princess, afraid of jumping fences. Now she's joining the Navy.